I'm Brian Vander, feature X-Men artist, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> a little delayed reaction there. How come? I was waiting. Well, because I... Honestly, this would have been a great night for you to do the woo I'm doing the woohoo inside. I hope you know that. Uh-huh. Are you going to... Is it because you, you don't want to come inside? <laughs> I told Dap uh, on the uh, on the Slack chase, and I said, I am so freaking excited. I have never been this excited for a show. Oh, nice. That makes me so Never. It does. And I'm thinking... I was I was um, jotting down questions, and I got to like fifty, and I'm thinking I'm just gonna ask him, I'm just gonna ask him everything. What's your favorite cereal? <laughs> I was gonna ask him what the uh, what is poison is uh, his author photo on the back of the book. Ah, it's probably some kind of whiskey drink. It looks like it. Yeah, Jason should ask him if the um, how how uh, the story behind the chest tattoo. Yes. Oh, I need to. I need to. That's yeah. all. That is. I mean, that is definitely. That, that's not a a. I'm I'm drunk, so let me get a tattoo. Kind of tattoo. There's definitely a reason. No, there's planning in that. that. Yeah. yeah. So I would hope. I would hope you too. See Scotty, the other. You see Scott. He's in Hawaii with with uh, with uh, Casey right now. And last night, at like middle of the night, he's like, "Who's the best tattoo artist in Maui?" Yeah. And all and like a hundred people are like, "Dude, don't no tattoos while you're drunk." Nah, man, just something little so I can, you know, commemorate the trip. He's a community leader, and he stops fucking beating them. I was like, this fucking book, man. This is crazy. I love this book. It is a great one. Colors. The back of the plane exploded off. Pull your pants down. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I want you to be a good husband and father. Do you even love me? You're exposing my breasts. (laughs) But because what's what's... Because nobody is narrating the story, no, and and you read what everybody's saying. Everybody's got the same voice, so it just it even whether it's it's he, I've he just, just likes changed yeah. or it's just uh, the judge. Everybody because in her, in my mind, everybody's got to have kind of have that that same voice because I don't hear what anybody's saying, and it's just but it's it is so I need to yeah like why why doesn't why is everybody explaining what's happening in the book it's funny because it's funny it is funny i yeah. absolutely love it i just but is is there like is there a reason why you decided to just well, say we'll, we'll ask him caption boxes well no he doesn't like caption boxes which is fine but, yeah. but now, now now i don't need to ask him that well no he'll tell you i would rather him tell you himself <laughs> and you'll find out who this him is because this is 11 o'clock comics episode 468 very special episode and i <laughs> and i am vince b Woo! happy giddy episode of the year for old giddy boy i am david a price and i am the war chief known as orcs are no you're not you're jason wood good looking jason wood you're not you're not the orcs are he's not good looking no, he's not. Unfortunately, he's not. But you know what? Good. See, I'm nervous. Do you know what would look really good on you? Uh, I don't. Copy of Exo Manowar number one. 
Oh, indeed. It would, <laughs> it would look really good in your hand because uh, tonight's show is brought to you by Valiant. And I'm massaging my nipples right now with a copy of it. No, you're going to get it all creased and stuff. Um, Sorry, I have lots of copies. Oh, <laughs> Valiant and the all-new XO Man of War number one, which is on sale right now in comic shops across the globe. It is written by the amazing Matt Kent. It says here, New York Times bestselling writer Matt Kent and rising star Thomas Giarello. It's a brand new beginning for Valiant's flagship character in part one of Soldier. It's a perfect jumping on point. If you have been putting off getting into the Valiant universe for whatever reason, now's the time. Because Exo Manowar, it's a clean slate. You don't have to know anything that happened before. And if they, if you don't know it, they're going to tell it to you in this issue. It's mm-hmm. a, it's an amazing start. Um, it's the opening chapter of 2017's biggest new ongoing series. Believe it. If you've been looking for a place to start with one of the most acclaimed publishers in comics today, this right chia is it. Exo Manowar, number one, Valiant Entertainment. Take your money and go to the comic shop and get it. Cause Come awesome. on, take your money and run. Or you can get it from Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, where you can get all your books and get them for a fraction of the retail cost, such as from Dark Horse, David's Hearts of Thumping, so is mine, uh, Matt Wagner's Grendel Tales Omnibus, Trade Paperback Volume 1, a huge collection containing uh, stuff from Grendel 40, the miniseries Four Devils, One Hell, Devil's Hammer, Devils in Our Midst, Devils and Deaths, uh, and let's see, we have Alan Moore on this, Stephen T. Siegel, James Robinson, Rob Walton, Hochi Anderson, I love his stuff, Teddy Christensen, Paul Grist, Bernie Moreau, it's amazing, it's like 450 pages, it will cost you, are you sitting down? Mm-hmm. $12.49. God dang. That is 50% off the cover price. From Boom... It's the Planet of the Apes Archive Hardcover Volume 1, Mike Plug's best work, Doug Munch, Tom Sutton, Herb Trimpey, amazing stuff. Cover price, $50. Come on, it's an archive. That's what you're going to pay. But it's not what you're going to pay at Discount Comic Book Service. You can bring this sucker home for $24.99. So good. 50% off. It's on my order. And bringing up the rear, but not by much, it's Valiant. With Secret Weapons Number One, Eric Hesserer wrote it. Uh, Paul Raul Allen drew it, and Helena Djurjevic is credited for some reason here. Uh, cover price is three ninety nine. Your price? Tell them. Dollar uh, ninety nine. Exactly one dollar ninety nine cents. It's yep. uh, it's another brand new series. I'm glad that they're doing the Secret Weapons because that was one of my favorite series back in the original Valiant days. So uh, it's going to be neat to see what they do with it here. Just go dcbservice.com. They will save you multitudes of monies. Mm-hmm. That, that's a lot. A multitude is a lot. I guess it's, it's, it's <laughs> Wumba. Yes. <laughs> AKA Wumba. Yeah. All right. What are we drinking, boys? What are we drinking? I got lots of beer tonight. Oh, yeah, you, do. Weird. you might want to stay on your toes. You might want to not be too hammered. For no, this. I want to be hammered. Um, oh, why? Wow. You just want to let your freak flag fly? Yes. From Victory, I got the Hop Ranch 
from Rogue. I got Dead Guy Ale, and I have a canny yingling that I found in the back of the refrigerator. What? You're not allowed to drink that? Well, I don't want to see it go to waste. It's cold. Mm, okay. Oh, okay. What are you drinking, Jason? I am drinking Las Rosas, which is an Argentinian Malbec. Nice. Mm-hmm. How about you, Boosifus? I almost <laughs> went with a Malbec tonight, but I figured, you know, it's been... Uh, winter showed up late, finally started to leave after overstaying its welcome, so it was beautiful this week, and I have a ceiling fan on now, and because of our guest, for me, it didn't really feel like a wine kind of evening, so I am on the rocks drinking some Bullet Bourbon Frontier Whiskey. Yeah. Dick me. <laughs> Do you want to frame it? <laughs> frame it so it looks good. Oh, oh God, this fucking book. It's too good, right? It really is. I, I don't. I, I can't believe I, I waited so long to read it. Now, I mean, there's four chapters in it. Was it was it a miniseries at first, or did or, or was it published as as a as, as a collection? I believe it was only published as a collection. He may That's have. Cool. Well, I'd ask him, but he may have done it as um, chapters. But the the only one I have is from Fantagraphics. So. Mm-hmm. And I I tend to keep an eye on his stuff. Yeah, you do. You are you are a connection when it comes to all things this guy. So yeah, this guy right here, this guy, oh, this Let's guy. Bring him in. What's up with the? Oh, should we? It's nine seventeen. Oh Uh-oh. man, I'm nervous. He's gone. He left. <laughs> we he might have missed our there. opportunity. All right, we're back with the man himself. He is the creative powerhouse behind. Gangster Rap Posse and Night Business. Uh, I can go on and on. Blades and Lasers, Terror Assaulter, uh, Cave Tooth. Why, why are you laughing? Because it's all awesome. It's it, it is awesome. Lincoln Washington uh, did that Beachhead story in Heavy Metal with, with some guy named Grant Morrison who was lucky to get to work with him. Uh, assorted variant covers. You got the American Blood Collection from Fantagraphics. Currently working... On the all-time comic stuff with uh, my man Josh Bayer, and he has an upcoming collection from uh, Fantagraphics of the Night Business issues. Uh, this guy, you've heard us talk about him here before. He is amazing, and his name is Ben Mara. Yes. <laughs> wow, thanks. Thanks for that it's great all, introduction. It's all true. I, I see you as the comic book version of the most interesting man alive. Uh, yeah, right. Isn't he though? You really do. That's right, really uh, funny. Uh, yeah, I think that they stole that idea from my uh, author photos from the back I of think my. So. The, they're the greatest really self-published comic. <laughs> Those photos look like you just like five minutes before the picture was taken. You killed about twelve men, had, had your way with their wives, drunk a couple gallons of whiskey, and you're just like, okay, I'm home now. So funny. Yeah, that's uh, that. I'm I'm glad that it, you know it conjures that kind of narrative for you. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's it couldn't be further from the truth, really. I hope I'm not shattering too many illusions, but um, but yeah, I'm, well, I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that you're uh, picking up, you know, the good vibes from those photos. They're a lot of fun to do, and uh, I 
it's kind of a challenge now though because I have to figure out what I'm going to do next. And um, the centaur usually, one is my favorite. Yeah, the centaur one. The centaur one actually came from um, an article I read about uh, Alex Rodriguez, <laughs> which was in the New York Post, and a former lover of his. Uh, I'm not sure if she was like you know Kate Hudson. I don't think I don't think she was like really famous or anything like that. But she 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 had a detail about his bedroom that I, that really resonated with me, which was that he, he had not one but two uh, portraits of himself hanging above his bed <laughs> of him as a centaur. That, that is like, so well, awesome! I can't fathom it. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I'm, and so I don't know if it's true or not, but it, it sounds too weird not to be. And I don't I don't really think that like he goes out with. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to diss the women that he dates, but I don't think that they have that kind of imagination, you know, to come up oh, with right. yeah, yeah. so ridiculous. Um, but he's a, he's a, he's a, he's an inspiration. And he, and after I read that, I was like, well, that's my next photo, like montage, like, like photo illustration of myself for, uh, night business. Yeah, that was awesome. That was phenomenal. So I'm going to get it out of the way. So uh, all three of us on the show are uh, heavily tattooed. So I've been meaning to ask you, man. Uh, I need to hear the story about the, the 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 six the six shooters on the chest. Oh yeah. Okay. So <laughs> uh, well, I, I I just I just thought it would be a really cool kind of like NRA tattoo, but I'm not I'm not like a I'm not an NRA uh, guy or anything. I don't own any weapons or guns or anything like that. And, um, you know, I don't, um, uh, I don't, I don't believe in, you know, carrying firearms around or anything like that. I think, you know, that they're terrible, uh, for society mostly. And, um, uh, but I don't know. I thought it, I thought it would be a, a good tattoo. And, um, yeah, I just, I just went and, I don't, I don't really like, like once I sort of think of like an idea, I try not to, uh, second guess myself and I just, I'm just like, let's, let's just do it. Let's just go right. for it. So, Dude, you are. So yeah, it says, it says, uh, it says the two, it says, it's the two six shooters and then it says truth to power in scrolls <laughs> across those. Truth <laughs> being, you know. I love it. Guns. But, I love it. Yeah, I don't really believe in that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think we're all in that we're on that same camp. But yes, yes. Now, I gotta say it though, you you are a paradox wrapped in an enigma. Like yes. you you don't like the guns, but every single thing you do has has yeah. people getting shot shot up like in Terrace Alter. Yeah, I don't yeah. like guns, yeah, but my characters are going to use the hell out of them. No, I but the thing yeah. the thing is, it's like I'm what. He, I can call him Amwat, right? He yeah. he he yeah. doesn't oh, just yeah, he doesn't just shoot people. He shoots them and then he riddles their corpse with bullets. Like oh, absolutely. It, and he will tell you while <laughs> he is. I love man. Yeah. I absolutely love the fact that everybody has to explain what's happening in the panel. Like Vince and I were we were giggling over you know the door exploded inward and and I'm going to. Yeah. I, I need I need this frame so when I dick it it looks it's like I just I yeah. cannot I was laughing at just about every page and I don't know if like so and we've talked about Jake's Threat Posse and night business on on in the past but this was I don't know why I waited so long to read Terrorist Alter but I I am so glad I did 
but what was it's is there when when you were approaching this story what was i i'm, I'm it's it's where it, it, this is going to sound really just crazy for me to ask but there were yeah as 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 i'm as i'm reading it and and there are obviously there are things that happen like say in an airline cockpit or or before yeah. a, a business meeting where where or or after a go-kart race and it's just is is so when you were writing it okay actually that that's were you writing the story first and then drawing it or or were you drawing it and saying okay i, I i'm going to have them do this instead and i just i i would love to know exactly the mindset the the whole the whole process from how you came up with terror assault to to what finally happened on the page um so it, i i i've been approached by this uh publisher and printer in toronto um called color code um jez g gill who who runs it who's like a master uh risograph printer and and he's he's just he's he's just very good at what he does and it's a very difficult machine to um to bend to your will and he does it with such ease it's pretty crazy but he he and i have been talking about doing a book together and i was actually like starting to develop an idea of this like dwarves versus wizards uh like tolkien fantasy book and then i saw this movie called um american hunter which was uh (laughs) Um, which starred uh, Chris Mitchum, uh, which is Robert Mitchum's son, when he was trying to like kind of get into the acting game. And there's this really great um, independent theater in Brooklyn called uh, Spectacle, and they cut this awesome trailer for it. So I, I saw this trailer, and I was like, I kind of want to. It was really inspiring me, you know. You know, and like you know, I was in New York, and like when when Bush, you know. Uh, when W. Dick sort of became president, so, um, you know, witnessing, like, you know, the uh, attacks of September 11th and then, like, you know, seeing the aftermath and trying to understand kind of like this neocon uh, foreign policy thing, that, 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 that was sort of like lingering in my mind for, for, for a number of years. And I was sort of following news stories about that. Um, including like, you know, the CIA operatives getting jailed in Pakistan for, you know, shooting people in the streets and things like that. Um, uh, and then I saw this movie, American Hunter, and I was like, man, I, I just kind of want this, this, this story just sort of like, or, or this, this, this sort of like feeling about like this comic, um, started coming into my mind with like a lot of, uh, force and, um, and uh, I, I decided to scrap the fantasy thing, and I pitched it to Jez Jeet as like a one-off sort of like 32-page comic. And um, you know, I did it very fast, uh, and I wanted to sort of like emulate this uh, this movie that Chris Mitchum was in, and sort of capture that kind of like um, uh, that, this like really trying very hard to be an action movie from the 80s. Uh, like a, like a like a big box office action movie, like a like a Stallone kind of like Cobra action movie, or like Rambo two, uh, kind of like level and 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 failing, you know, in like a lot of respects, but also just 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 having like a lot of like endearing kind of quality to it. Uh, also, they were they were made in Asia. Uh, Chris Mitchum did a bunch of movies with. Um, 
with this director whose name is escaping me right now. It's like one word. Uh, Arizal. Arizal, thank you. Okay. Yeah. So he, so he was, um, so they made a couple of movies together and, um, yeah, I just, I just hammered out the, the first 32 pages and I was, as I was doing it, you know, it was, it was kind of like a, a traditional standard comic and then, you know, a couple pages into it, I just started, started making them say, things that they were doing just for my own entertainment while I was working on it. But I, I do draw the whole book first. I do draw, like, make the drawings first, and I do layouts. and then, So it's Marvel Method. Yeah, it's Marvel Method. It's, like, my own personal Marvel Method. I plot the book. Like, I, I write the book by drawing it. So I draw it out, and that that's how I kind of get a better feeling for, like, pace and, like, you know, uh, just where things need to fall. And that, that, and that way I don't get too... Uh, sort of bogged down in, in, in using using words to do the work, you know. Right. Um, I have I get the feeling like a lot of uh, script first comics that are most of what is, you know, made for uh, you know, mainstream comics these days, they, they kinda lack this kind of like this this forward energy, you know, in, in their stories. They get they, they just have so many words on the page and you just have to like it's just a lot of like, you know, textual data to get through in order to it's just a slog for me to like read some of those comics so yeah i try to keep it quick with the with the pictures and then the words just kind of have to like keep up and uh you know when i was when i was taking um a comic book workshop class when i was in school uh we were taught that you need to have the words and the pictures do separate things in order to deliver uh narrative information um, and that's sort of like where comics get their power. It's where the energy comes from is, uh, is, is the tension between those two delivery systems. And I wanted to to totally break that rule with this book. It, it, it ended up becoming kind of like a formal experiment in that regard, uh, where I was just like, I'm going to make them say exactly what they're doing. And it's, it's going to be for comedy, but it's also kind of like I'm breaking this rule so blatantly you know and and that's kind of funny too but for me like while i was doing it it was really about just my own sort of like you know entertainment for myself basically yeah right well one of the things i like about this book is that you compared it to like a a stallone movie but and and amwat is in that mold but where i think the stallone audiences would be very horrified is that amwat loves sex but he doesn't seem to have a preference no he he will just do anything not anything anything that meets you know his 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 standards yeah and i think that's so refreshing like yeah he 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 dicks the lady in the beginning but then in a little while he's like doing guys it's like this is awesome because it's no holds barred sex for sex like he just wants to feel good and that yeah can you imagine a theater like you know people watching a Rambo movie and he just like, Hey, you're looking pretty good. And he's like, well, that, on yeah, a guy. That's what I was thinking, yeah. right? Like on, on the surface, especially in the first, the first arc, you know, the first part of the story, I think it, it's the message of it being a, uh, you know, Ben sort of interpretation and, uh, almost like a treatise on the eighties 
uber masculine, like, or at least how right. he's perceived masculinity then is there. But then, like, it totally flips on its head when all of a sudden he's <laughs> having anal sex with another man, right? In so the sense good. that, like, because yeah. exactly, if you were in a theater in the 80s with, like, watching, you, you'd be like, like, it would have gone like, yeah, fuck yeah, this movie rocks. And he'd be like, whoa. Like, you read that <laughs> and be like, wait, what? Like, like, so it's, it's like you, and you do this a lot in your stories, like, you, you, you play it. And I, and I could be wrong, but I think I remember something years ago reading that you said to someone another interview that like the comedy is like a byproduct of like of your of your art. Like it's not like you yeah. don't often set out to be funny, but these situations are so extreme and so uh, like visceral that they almost shockingly become funny. And like that's what this was like. And I said to the guys, you know, I because um, I, I I read that I read uh, I read this this week as well. And and uh, you know, I have to admit, like out of nowhere, like. You know, they get, you know, the, 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 the same sex stuff happens. And I'm like, wow, now there's a, like, at first I was like, now there's a message. Like, and I thought, is Ben trying to, like, is that intentional to shock you into thinking, like, rethinking or, like, satirizing the definition of, like, an American male action hero? Or is it just, like, is it not, like, is it not as, is it not as purposeful as that? Like, is, I don't know. Like, I was wondering, like, was that a purposeful statement? Or was it just, you know, in your mind, like, again, like, this guy was just pure, pure adrenaline and pure testosterone so he'd fuck anything that he had the chance to fuck yeah like um it's it the the, it ended up becoming like a statement about like what is masculinity in genre in like these action movies you know in like spy movies like james bond or something like that where you have like this superman you know unkillable you know death machine walking around you know doing whatever he wants and you know, fucking whatever he wants. Um, you know, what, what, what is, you know, it's, so it definitely was like subverting that kind of like archetype. But the way I arrived at that was, was not through like, I didn't have any intention of like that being my goal when I was creating the comic. I mean, when I'm creating comics, I'm just trying to like get something done, <laughs> you know, I'm, I, because it's like, it's such a marathon even to do you know, like a 24 page comic that like, uh, a lot of the times, like the meaning of something will arrive either like in the middle of the process or like after, after the fact, when I like look back on it. Um, uh, but with, with, with Amwa, the way I, the way I arrived at that idea was I was I was telling it to somebody who 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 I just met at like an art gallery a, a friend of mine who's like a tattoo artist and like gallery artist um, was having a show in New York and the only time I was going to get a chance to to see him was when he was setting up the show so I was at the art gallery and uh, just like a guy that worked there we were just talking and he was uh, asking me what I was working on and I was telling him about Amwat and how like you know. I was, I was explaining the scene in the plane and he goes into the cockpit and originally I had him having sex with a stewardess. Like it was a very cliched kind of thing. But, but before I could say like, yeah, he's going to go have sex with a stewardess. The guy was like, Oh, he's going to go have sex with a dude now. Right. And I was like, what? (laughs) And that, that totally like made me rethink like who this character was, but it totally was more consistent with what I had down in the first 32 pages than I had even realized. Like, uh, like he's, he's, it, it made sense all of a sudden to me that like, yeah, he just beats up like a bunch of guys like in the hallway and the first, you know, chapter. And that to me, that those panels were when 
I kind of started to understand who the character was. Like he doesn't, he doesn't, he just beats up anybody. He shoots anybody, you know, he'll kill anybody. He shoots, you know, whoever that he feels like is getting in his way. Um, but it would then make sense that he would just have sex with anybody, you know, that was in front of him. You know, he would, he doesn't discriminate against like who he kills. Why would he discriminate against like what gender he prefers? You know, it's, it would, it just makes sense to me, like, um, like, it, like, for the consistency of the character to have him, you know, just, just be like omnisexual, like he just doesn't mm-hmm. care. Right. Isn't it amazing how many things in our lives inform and influence the work? Like, what were the chances that, yeah. that, that person said that to you? And it totally changed oh. the direction of the piece. Completely. I don't even know who that, guy's name is it's like i don't i don't even know i couldn't even i, I don't i couldn't even like point him out of a lineup like right I, it's so yeah it's so weird that it like completely changed the entire trajectory yeah. of the book like and, and he was yeah, he was meant to so say strange. that yeah the, yeah i guess so <laughs> no I, I never even really thought about that yeah i totally believe right. that i totally believe it that there are there are uh external um let's call them forces that are are kind of working in our behalf, whether we know it or not, subconsciously or you know they're there, and the things that manage to 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 pierce that the veil and get into the work, it's just it's everywhere from from yeah. your, your day job to something you saw on TV, something you ate. It's just everything around us just leeches into the work. It's it, art is yeah. just it's it's the most amazing thing. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I mean. Like I think about sort of like the influences of anything for me, and it's it, it's so myriad, it's so difficult to even like pin down uh, sometimes like one one thing. But but you can identify yeah specific like pivot points or junctures in the process when like it alters you know the result in a very clear way. Right, right. You you've always been the anomaly. For me, because I first encountered your work not in comics. Um, really? Yeah, I I bought this little um, Young Gun Six, the Undiscovered Letter. No kidding. Yeah. Really? Yeah, and and I'm wow. going I'm going through it, and I'm like, I got to your section in the in the smaller book, the Undiscovered Letter, and, yeah. and naturally it's all barbarians and. And I'm looking yeah. at I'm looking at the anatomy. And I'm like, wow, this is really freaking off. <laughs> these these hands are way too small. You got the torso yep. elongated, and I'm thinking, all right, something must be up here. So um, I, I I I don't want to say study, but I kind of studied the work to see you know whether or not like because you're if you were in this journey in this moleskin project like you you were accepted by whoever it was that that you know, put this thing together. So I'm thinking, yeah, at, at, yeah, at this point I'm thinking you're legit. So when, <laughs> ga- no, when Gangster Rap Posse came out, there was no question in my mind that it was all a big put on, you know, the right. like, with the little hands and the big heads and the, the, the distorted anatomy. And, and I can remember when I, when I brought it to the show and we were talking about it, uh, one of our hosts who is no longer with us, he's not dead. He's just not here with us anymore. Right. Um, he didn't get it. 
he, he's like, this is terrible. Right. The, the drawing is is abysmal, and then it's it's all so right. over the top. It's just it's 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 bad. And I'm, I I I tried to convince him that it w- it was all an inside joke, and that that was the the one question I had to ask you tonight. Um, going in to this kind, the, your 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 patented Ben Mara style, was there ever a moment yeah. when you when you were afraid that they're just not going to get it? No, no. Well, here's the thing: I wasn't afraid. I didn't think anybody was going to get it. Like, I'm sort of surprised that we're even all talking about this stuff like ten years later. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't think when I started making comics that anybody would read it at all you know like uh i i didn't i didn't think that you know like i'd have books coming out from fanographics when i got started so it wasn't even like i like there was no fear at that point because i i was i was like i was just making it totally for myself um i thought it was almost just to prove to myself that i could make a comic book because for so long it was it was a mountain I couldn't climb or get over and um and it was just a challenge for me to uh to try to uh overcome uh so like it didn't matter to me at all if 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 people don't get like my the way I draw or 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 the comics that I make um you know, I just feel like it's it's just not for them. You know, they, there's plenty of other stuff out there. I'm sure that they connect with. Uh, if they don't understand, you know, like uh, my my drawing style or something like that, uh, it doesn't really bother me because because um, I know it's I, well. For one thing, I know it's weird, and I probably am way more critical of it than uh, anybody else would be. Um, uh, but no, I'm, I'm I was I wasn't afraid. That anybody wouldn't get it because it's 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 not for anybody else other than, than myself and maybe like a couple of my very very close friends who would mm-hmm. like understand it you know um, but yeah it's it's really the, the the audience that I'm thinking of is only is only me well that, that's the thing I mean you know I was mentioning to you that that you and Vince are sort of have the same spirit like like spirit when it comes to that I mean Vince has said a million times that you know for him. You know, artists like an artist has to make the art they want to make, and and then every yeah. person that then sees the art, it becomes its own thing, right? However, like each person's going to yeah. perceive that art in their own way, and some are going to like it, some aren't, and ultimately the artist's job is not to care about that. And admittedly, I, I as someone who's not an artist but consumes and loves art, I I have struggled with that perception at times because I guess I'm a consumer of art and. I understand the idea as a creator to want it to be just something that you're passionate about, but I, I think it's unfair to sort of just categorically say that an artist shouldn't, shouldn't or won't care because lots of artists are frankly like commercially driven, right? I mean, lots of artists yeah. do care in the sense that they want it and they do va- find some validation in others enjoying their work. Um, so I, I, I don't know that it's a universal truth, but it is certainly one that you and Vince both, both hold, uh, to you. But, you know, I have to say, I mean, Vince is being a little, uh, a little probably, you know, generous in the sense that, uh, you know, Chris, our former co-host was definitely in that camp, but I was too. I mean, when, when we first discussed, uh, you know, your gangster rap posse and, and we, when we first met at Heroes, we talked about this, but I, you know, I, I was like, I wasn't sure if you were like for real or not. And I'm like, I don't know. Is this guy like, <laughs> is he, is, is he just like, 
some crazy dude. Like, I was like, I don't know. Is, is this like, is he, is he, is he trying to make a point? Is he drawing this way on purpose? Is this just like his, and, um, you know, and then subsequent to that, having to get to know your work and know you a bit better. I, you know, I think for, for maybe our listeners that, uh, have heard us talk about you, but not maybe, you know, kind of delved into your work. Like it's probably important to say, at least from the context of sort of framing your career to this point that like, um, maybe it's neither here nor there in your mind, but I think it's like, it's, it's, it's interesting to me. That, I mean, you are a like, incredibly um from an academic standpoint um you know accomplished you know person student of the arts like you you have you have a master's degree and right and you you went to syracuse and yeah. you have a master's and if i'm not mistaken i think david Masakelli was like your thesis advisor right or something like that yeah yeah that's right yeah so i mean yeah. like it's like but my point is is like so it, it it's like my point is like the, the things you've put on paper by design right it's not it's it's for your own design but it's by design it's not like you know, that, that's it. I don't know. I find that like, and I, that does fascinate me because you, it, I think it frames your work in a, in a much more enjoyable light because then I, I like when I, after I came to that realization, like, and I, I, I frankly become a much greater fan of your work because I like, I see it now for what I think you see it is, which is, and, and I, and it makes it that much more enjoyable. So. Oh, well that, well, thanks. Um, uh, that means, that means a lot to me to hear you say that. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm of, I'm of two minds in, in, in in this regard, because, uh, I, you know, I, I do have like a lot of like formal training in art and, um, you know, I've been doing it for, you know, since I can remember. And, uh, but yeah, I have, I have, I have two degrees in illustration, which is a discipline that you do not need one degree in to practice. Um, <laughs> and so part of me is kind of like, I, I'm, I'm very inspired. I think, you know, just, you could see from my work is I'm, I'm inspired by artists that are untrained. You know, I'm, I'm inspired by self-taught artists and artists that like are like, um, you know, super passionate about what they're making. Like, you know, I, I, I hold Jack Kirby, of course, in very, very high regard. I think he's, he, he's up there like with the greatest artists of the 20th century in my mind. Um, he has, you know, affected all of, pop culture we can go on and on but like you know he's like this self-taught artist who couldn't help but you know produce this you know huge volume of work over his lifetime um uh and 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 to me like that 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 comes from like a really pure place uh so i kind of feel like and 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 my and my stuff like to hear you say that it it kind of like tripped you up at first because you were confused about like where where it's coming from, you know who I who I am, but uh, it's all it's almost like, like I'm kind of like faking uh, being an untrained artist in some ways. No, that's like, exactly right. I mean, if you go back and listen to right. the episode, and I think you would listen to it years. I mean, this was probably seven years ago, and when we met it here, as you said, you had listened to it back in the day. But like, I think we were all the four of us were debating, and Vince was squarely on the no. It's all by design. <laughs> yeah. And Chris and I were like, I don't know. Is it <laughs> like like is gangster like is he re- like he, is he really like, is the style that way by design, or is it like that's yeah. his style? And clearly it's by design, and that was Vince's intake yeah. from Jump. But, I, you know, I'm sure you you must understand, even to this day, that, like, if someone, like, listens to this show tonight and then picks up yeah. something, like, they're going to probably look at it, and they may, if they don't, if they, they might be like, is this, like, what he's, is this on purpose, right? Like, I mean, but it is right, on purpose, right. yeah. Yeah. It is. It, I mean, it is. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's sort of like this unconscious you know, 
long-term art project that I'm doing right. in the form of comics. Yeah, it's it is it it, it is sort of like about um, it's about comics, but it's also sort of like about you know I don't know um, this like sort of uh, innocent approach to very heavy subject matter, you know, um, and also this this kind of like alternate character of myself that exists in those author photos, you know, as like the guy that's, that's creating these works, you know, and, and yeah, people, people, I remember when they first, one of the reasons why I put the author photo in the first issue of night business was because I wanted there to be a joke at the end because I, I, I was convinced that anybody reading the comic was going to take it too seriously and wouldn't (laughs) understand that it's just like, uh, like, like, like it's just play, you know? And, um, uh, and I think that it actually confused people more because they were like, is this guy, is this, is this really what this guy is? Like, like it did, like they weren't really sure, which, which I guess is an even better sort of outcome. But, um, uh, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's part of me is, is kind of like, yeah, it's just like this big kind of like, uh, put on because I actually, yeah, like have fine art training and painting and, 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 uh, you know, all of these sort of like traditional, um, uh, disciplines of, of, of art making. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Telling stories with pictures is, is definitely the way that I think and, and the way I sort of like express myself. Um, and, uh, I like to, and if I don't, if I over plan and I, and I, and I don't draw fast enough, then I get bored and I get real like paralyzed with, um, how I'm working. And that's why comics also helps me because it forces me to, to try and work as fast as I can. So, um, but yeah, it's been, it's my chosen sort of like, uh, way of working now. And, and yeah, it has, in, it's funny because it's like when I first started making comics, like I, re- I just really wanted it. I was really, the, the reason why I started making comics is because I was very mad with the way alternative and independent comics were being produced. And I hated the, the, uh, the sort of template or the trends that were occurring at that time. And I wanted to make genre independent comics that weren't like, you know, uh, comics that were coming out from the more art house boutique publishers and definitely not like the big two, uh, publishing houses. Um, and I, I really just wanted to make like really mean, uh, you know, sex and violence exploitation comics. Um, uh, cause I felt like that was like the, the content. I didn't want comics to be like literature. I didn't want them to be art, but it, but it has ended up becoming like an art project about like comics being trash and how art can be trash or trash can be art. It's very true. I'm glad that you brought up about the uh, self-trained aspect of, of art. And uh, I, I love outsider art for the same reason Yeah, that that it it has a spark and it has a spontaneity and, and a liveliness that, the other stuff, like say from Marvel and DC, visually yeah. they're they're fine. They're, they they fulfill a purpose and they and they they do that purpose very well. But for my money, there was never a better publisher than Picture Box. Those were the kind of comics yeah. that I wanted to see. Yeah. 
You know, I mean, yeah. even more so than Fantagraphics. I love what Gary does, but the stuff that yeah. Dan was putting out, I would devour it. And, and uh, you know, yeah. Brian Chippen, you look at the list of all the artists that came out at Picturebox, all the Fort Thunder guys yeah. and, and CF, and it's just like, it just felt right. Like, this is the way comics should be. And, totally, and, and and look what know. happened. Yeah, look what happened. You know, there's there's not a yeah, I mean, gigantic yeah. audience for it, unfortunately. No, no. I mean, I think that uh, you know, it, I, I don't know how Dan even existed doing that as long as he did. I actually have a 175 page unfinished graphic novel that we that he had given me an advance for. And, uh, I haven't, uh, it's, it's in the process of being inked, but I probably won't ever, ever finish it. And it was going to come out from picture box, but then they shuttered his doors before it could happen. Oh man. Yeah. It was a really big bummer. Is it scanned? Yeah. Do you, do you have, no. my, oh damn it. <laughs> no, I think, I think, yeah. I think only, only like two other people that, uh, have ever like sat down to read it other than me. Well, what's it about? It's just like, like comic guy. It's just like comic guys of like, I came over to my apartment to stay for a convention and they were like, can you show me that unfinished book you were working on? And I'll, I'll, give, I'll give it to them and they'll sit down and, and they, and they read it. And, uh, but they ask me about it every once in a while, but I've, I've almost forgotten about it. You need to get on that. We need to see it. <laughs> just publish, yeah, publish it know. as is. You don't have to ink it. No, no. I think that I will, uh, eventually get around to finishing it at some point, but, um, uh, but not right now. I just have too many other things in front of me that I want to get done first. Uh, bummer. But yeah, yeah bummer because you're gonna get other uh, stuff picture instead. Box. Picture box was like uh, an amazing sort of like moment in time. Right. You know, it's like an incredible, incredible uh, like catalog of work, and I don't know. This his whole branding, his whole sensibility. It's a real loss that he's not doing that anymore because I, I kind of feel like, um, you know, uh, comics and, you know, just the world in general kind of needs, uh, someone like Dan who has that, um, sensibility and, and knowledge, um, and just ability to, to put books out like that. And he's also like a really, I mean, he's an amazing designer on top of everything else. Uh, you know, yeah, it's 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 just too bad that he's not um, actively, you know, churning. I wish somebody had, would just hire him to be to like run their publishing company, but um, maybe that will happen down the line. Yeah. Well, we should be thankful for the Wilco book because I I think that kept him solvent for for many years past his uh, the the time that he should have folded. It, it just seemed yeah like- uh, yeah I think yeah that definitely helped him. But uh, that journal interview that Jason was talking about, I, I love that interview because I, I I feel the same way about art school that uh, yeah. reality is the uh, currency of of art school. Like you, if you're a realist, you'll do very well. Uh, any, yeah. Anything other than that, not so much. I remember well, I, I had a, a, a fashion design class, 
And uh, the the teacher was very well known in the fashion industry, knew all the people at Lord and Taylor. If you drew like the guys that drew for Lord and Taylor, you were in the money with this guy because he knew a lot of people. He could introduce you like connections. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh, he he would uh, walk around the easels set up and comment on your work, you know, and walk and comment on the next person's work. If he didn't stop at your work and comment on it, he didn't like you. And uh-huh. I, I was one of the guys that, you know, he would stop and look at my work. and was, it, he, he would talk and, and banter and give me a little pointer here and there. When he learned that I wanted to be a comic book illustrator, he never stopped at my easel again. Wow. That's crazy. No, it, it was it was a stigma. It, it was verboten. You, a comic book artist. Are you kidding me? You know, and he knew Jack Kirby, Neil Adams. Like, he, he was well aware of all of the greats. But he didn't put any stock in it. He thought comic book art was like a, uh, uh, you know, the slums of the art world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you know, I would I mean, have these. Ar- not entirely wrong, but <laughs> right. But, and I would have but these. It's still, yeah, I know what you mean. Well, you said that though too, right, Ben? I mean, I remember you saying something to the effect that like you had a little bit of an internal struggle when you were first sort of gaining going to art school and that, uh, you know, you really were compelled by like painting, but or being a painter, but also that uh, there seemed to be sort of an invalidation of the idea of doing comics as like a, a legitimate pursuit of the craft, right? For a while that was like, yeah. yeah. Better said. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I, I think that, that, that I would say there were, there was, uh, there were professors in my undergrad training who were uh, open to the idea of comics. Like my, my, my my senior year illustration professor um, uh, was um, was like R. Crumb. We're all basically children of R. Crumb, you know. Mm-hmm. Like that's what he would say. And so he had like this, um, you know, very. Uh, he he understood comics. He understood like like uh, like its its influence and and that it was legitimate in. Uh, in many regards, but like, I think that the curriculum at Syracuse was sort of designed in more of like a trade school. Um, I, I could be wrong, but like it was, it was about sort of like preparing us for the world where we would actually have to earn money, you know, do so. Um, so comic books weren't necessarily something that was encouraged because they just felt like that wasn't, Necessarily, if you had skill, like why would you go into an industry that, you know, is going to, uh, you know, grind you down and, and you're going to have very little to show for it unless you're like, you know, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird or something like that. <laughs> um, you know, uh, uh, it, it was, it was just sort of like, like an idea that, that it, that, that it would be a very difficult slog, um, you know, in your life if, if you were trying to make money doing comics. But at the same time, there were only like, yeah, I would say a handful of, you know, professors that I had that were actually like, you know, okay with comics and understood comics and liked comics, but they weren't necessarily like, pushing me or encouraging me <laughs> to do comics. And then there were other, other professors who were, you know, these are guys from like, you know, they came up in like the sixties when, or, or even, you know, in the fifties when, you know, if they were caught with comics as kids, you know, they were like, you know, severely punished. It was like getting caught with like porn or something like that. Um, 
you know, that, and then on top of that, like, you know, even, even comic book artists at that time, even though they were doing like this amazing, great work, uh, you know, they all just wanted to do a comic strip, you know, they were just doing comics because they were just trying to, you know, uh, make a living, you know, it was just their day job. They didn't really care about it very much the same way, like, not, not like, not like we do now. We don't, they didn't have the same kind of attitude. So they kind of brought that with them into their academic, um, life and they, yeah, wouldn't act, wouldn't encourage or see it as like a legitimate, you know, uh, pursuit for art or art creation or, um, or, you know, lifelong devotion. Hmm. So, which so I'm, tell me, which I'm happy to disappoint them about now. <laughs> but, no. Do, do you, uh, do you currently own, uh, all 11 issues of Space Beaver? No, I, you know, I, I think I have the collection somewhere, um, that, uh, he put out many years later. Um, I don't think I had all 11 issues though, but I started, as soon as Stinger arrived on the scene, like it's like, like I, I kind of realized that he as a writer was more interested in that character. as like an anti-hero mm-hmm. than he was in his protagonist space beaver. And it became like a real problem because there was like, I could see on the page this tension that he had <laughs> where he was like starting to devote too much energy and, give too many good lines to the, you know, to Stinger, this sort of like auxiliary character who was not Mm -hmm. supposed, he like totally start, started to steal the show. And that's when I started to kind of like lose interest in the, um, in the storyline, unfortunately. I mean, for for the edification of our, of our listeners, Space Beaver was, um, was the first work by Derek Robertson, Mm -hmm. uh, back in the mid eighties. And it was, uh, you know, it was part of the whole sort of post Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, anthropomorphic uh indie comics and uh and and if if i have it right ben that was like a massive like that was the first comic that you like obsessed over right and you like that was yeah yeah i bought that comic i remember very very vividly it was it was the first comic i ever i had i had owned comics before that but they were all given to me and this was the first comic that my parents gave me money we were on our way out of town i think for like a family vacation to like the finger lakes or something like that and um, we stopped by the comic book store on the way out of town, and my parents gave me like three dollars to buy a comic book for the car ride. And I, and I didn't have any time to sort of think about anything. I just ran in, and I saw Space Beaver, and I just grabbed that, and then <laughs> totally changed my life because I think that like every comic book that I make now is trying to be the first issue of space beaver. Um, <laughs> it was like such a, such a huge impact, um, on my life. And kind of even down to like the author photo, because Derek Robertson has an author photo of him as like a 1980s teenager, like standing in a leather jacket, leaning up against like a brick wall with his, his hair is sort of like a greasy, like pompadour sort of thing going on. And like, I was, so I, I do that. And like, my my whole night business uh, logo is totally like a reference to like the Space Beaver logo too. So, yeah, something you, ju- you just can't shake them. And yet, you really haven't done an anthropomorphic no. magnum opus yet. No, I really want to because I've just in like the last year or so gotten really into Bucky O'Hare. 
Nice. Larry oh, Hawthorne. okay. Uh, yeah, that that is a. I've, I've, been, I've watched that cartoon. I really got into cartoons this year for some reason, and uh, I watched that cartoon, and I was like, man, I really want to do an anthropomorphic animal comic. So uh, yeah, I've been watching like Street Sharks and like just like, wow, yeah, all like all like the knockoff TMNT stuff, mm-hmm. which is really great. For those that uh, don't know, uh, listening to the show, Bucky O'Hare was uh, uh, Larry Hama and uh, Michael Golden uh, comic. Yeah. yeah. And That's then right. cartoon, to your point, then cartoon. Right. And actually, yeah, I was too. reading an interview. Yeah. yeah, I was reading an interview with Larry Hama, and he actually developed it after he saw Star Wars. Um, oh, nice. So back, so back in, like, the 70s, he had that, like, all designed. He had all the characters designed, and he designed the characters, I guess, to be action figures because of, like, the huge merch, you know, uh, sales of Star Wars. He was sort of like, you know, there's something to be done here. And then it didn't actually happen until, I guess, after the TMNT phenomenon that he was able to um, get it out as a comic book. But I guess DC wanted to publish it, but weren't going to, like, allow him to retain any rights so sure. he was like yeah. you know forget that and uh then uh yeah neil adams picked it up at yeah. continuity continuity right and now. he did it with michael golden uh was the uh yeah was the artist on it who did a phenomenal job on it i told you guys that story about larry hama when i met him as a kid right i'm sure i had right trying to blank i was I uh <laughs> See? uh i was uh i was probably 10 or 11 and had started going to an LCS, like on the regular, get, always get my dad to take me. And I went, um, and it was just one of those things where it was like they had Larry Hama and two other people. I'd love to remember, I wish I could remember who the other two of the creators were, but they had three creators there for like a signing day. And I, like I, I'd never seen that before. So I walked right past them, you know, went in, got my comics. And like I was checking out and the checkout guy was like, you know, cause I'm a little kid. He's like, Oh, you know, uh, he's like, do you, you like GI Joe? And I said, yeah. He's like, oh, this is Larry Hama, creator, you know. And he's, like, and I'm like, oh. And I walked over, and he was like, looked at my stack, you know, like my pull list or whatever, and he's looking through it, and uh, and and he's and and he's like, oh, and I'm like, oh, you you created your show, and he's like, yeah. he's like, and he's like, would you like me to sign your book? And I'm like, sure. I'm like, can you draw Spider Man in it? Because <laughs> I had no idea who was like the writer, who's the artist. So so bat so so fucking Larry Hama. Took my Amazing Spider-Man issue and he drew a Spider-Man headshot on it like a boss without even hesitating. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah. So props to him. Thirty, uh, thirty-three years later. Yeah. Yeah. What's up, man? The, I don't uh, think you ever told Joe us that books story. Are no. Yeah. 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 They are. Yep. They yeah. are. They're really good. But okay, so this 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 will segue since um, Herb drew those early issues. What was it like inking? Yeah, right. That must have been uh, sort of weird oh, and Yeah, that was crazy. Uh, that was, I mean, you know, uh, Josh just, uh, he, he just made, he's just making magic happen. And I mean, well, for me, for me, I mean, to, to get to ink Herb Trimp or Trimpy and then be inked by Al Milgram mm-hmm. was, uh, was kind of like a, it, it kind of blew my mind. Um, uh, you know, and then I helped with the design of some of the characters and Josh was showing me like, you know, pencils. I don't want to talk about it too much. Cause like, I don't know what he's revealed, but he's got other, you know, 
comic veterans, you know, hired to do like the second season of all time. And, um, and so he's sending me pencils of like all these other guys drawing like characters that I had, you know, the, the privilege of, of, of helping design. And it's just, it's just mind blowing. But yeah, like inking herb was, uh, was, was fantastic. I was, I was a little, um, you know, hesitant in a way, uh, I, I really wanted to like, you know, honor his, his, his pencils. And I, I, w- I started sending in like, um, just, just a few pages at a time to, to Josh, you know, uh, some of the inks. And he was like, no, man, I want you to really put in like some of those, that, that, those like Mara, you know, shadows in there, <laughs> you know, so. So I like went back in and, and, and beefed up some of the shadows and some of the, some of the, uh, pages. But, um, but there was like this, I don't know, the way, the way Herb was sort of like working, um, with the pencils, there was like a bit of a nineties kind of vibe to them. And I think that it was like a little bit of a carryover from when he was experimenting with that sort of like Rob Liefeld. Yes. Yes. Like, uh, like, like style of, of, of drawing. And I think that that like totally got into like the way he was, the way he was drawing because there was, and now that has gotten into the way I draw, uh, night is like the last few issues of night business that I've been working on for the collection totally have like some of these nineties rendering techniques that I totally was inspired by like inking herb. Uh, that's where I got it from. The all-time comics thing is not an overnight sensation, right? I Josh no. has been working on it for like what two, three years at least. Yeah, I mean, I let's. I worked on those. Yeah, it might be three years ago now. Yeah, I think it is. So I worked on like a bunch of issues with Josh, like three years ago, and, and with Herb and Al. Um, you know, and, and Sam, Josh's, uh, brother, uh, like many years ago, then I hadn't even conceived of Amwat at that time. So I conceived, wrote, drew, published Amwat mm. all since I've worked on those books. Right. So yeah, it's been, it's been many years in the making. And I think that, you know, they really wanted to do it right. They realized that, you know, you can only, you know, launch something like this one time, and uh, and and Sam is is you know a feature film director, so he's he's kind of used to working like the long game for uh, you know production, uh, you know, and release and launching things you know properly. So uh, they really got all their ducks in a row before they even um, you know started thinking about putting it out. But but yeah, they did it. It, 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 you know, it's very inspiring to kind of watch them do that because, you know, with comics, that's not usually the way things go. Things are like, you know, it's a monthly deadline a lot of the time. So you're just trying to like crank out pages just in the hopes that, you know, the miracle happens where it eventually comes out in print. Yeah. Well, isn't that appropriate? Because you and Josh, you don't do comics the way comics are done so so why should all-time comics no. follow that rule right um and uh, the, in case the guys don't know sam is josh's brother got it yep yeah 
but uh, the the success, at least from what I can see, has been pretty damn great. I mean, you guys are yeah. ev- everywhere on the uh, on the comic book circuit, even Newsarama. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to Josh. I said, yeah, you can come on, but what am I going to ask you that you know all these other people haven't asked you already? You know, I just I don't want it to be boring. And and the same with you. I mean, you've done the the uh, the advertising circuit as well. Uh, we we were trying to approach this in a way where it wouldn't be you know same old same old like what was your first comic and you know right. So uh, I I hope this has been somewhat different. That's what we try to do here. Anyway. Oh yeah, for sure. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah, there there have been. No, I definitely feel like this has been a, a unique, um, <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> unique. Sure. That, that's a good one. Uh, nice. Yeah, I mean, cool. it's. Uh, uh, but yeah, there there have been times where I've where I've been asked like like very very like similar questions. A lot of numbers, yeah. Inter- yeah, but. So Ben, I mean, like uh, I, I'm a of the three of us, I'm 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 the only one that's like a diehard sports fan, and uh, so oh. Okay. I, I know. I know you've. I know you've mentioned that uh, you know, sort of, as you've made this sort of journey to to do a pastiche of like different uber American things. You've said that like football is definitely on on the to do list. So when am I going to get some Ben Mara football uh, interpretation comics? Because th- that's yeah. right up my alley. It's. I mean, I love. I love. I love the NFL for all of its like insanity. Um, uh, I'm not as you know. It's weird because there was a, like a window of like of like ten or fifteen years where I was like the NFL was like a really big part of like my my uh, pop culture consumption. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I work I work for Major League Baseball's website. Um, you you were for like Blam, right? Yeah, almost ten years now. So it's like nice. uh, actually, yeah. When I first. Uh, I put out Night Business just after I started my gig there, um, and now Night Business is coming out, like, and is being completed 10 years later, so it has been about the same amount of time. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge, I'm a huge sports fan, and I think that baseball is the perfect designed game, but football is the perfect professional sport. Like, huh. it's like the most, it's the most, uh, crazy insane like flawed uh game but 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 incredibly like like entertaining on so many levels um but uh i i wanted to do a graphic novel it's still kind of like in my drawer of ideas uh about that's kind of like about how crazy uh professional football is and then draw you know from some of the uh news stories that have happened over the years with players and, you know, things that happened in the game. Um, but I yeah, don't know if I'll ever, if, yeah, I, I would like to do it. But the thing is like, like challenges, it doesn't matter like how, how, how crazy a comic I make because it's never going to be as crazy as the real thing. It's just, yeah. So I mean, I, I, um, on top of, uh, like aside from, from this, this passion of comics, I, I'm a, a long time, uh, partner and writer in a in a reasonably popular fantasy football business and uh no and uh, yeah and so i but so when we if I, I think you'll be at heroes yeah will you be at heroes i won't be no i'm not doing any uh, like, 
travel for conventions I was, this year. I was going to say, we could, I could, all right. I was going to say I could share some some real life tales that aren't appropriate for oh. public consumption about some oh, of these, really? these guys. Yeah, oh, but no it's bananas. It's oh bananas. man! <laughs> wow. It's, okay, it's, no, you know that? You know, it's funny because like a lot, like you said, a lot of your work kind of like plays on the idea of like what it means to be masculine or like the the, the sure. stereotypes of masculine. And I, I think that uh, American sports, in particular football, are right a perfect part of that because if you if you and I'm not alone here. I mean, lots of people that have any kind of tangential inside look into it. I mean, I, I think if the average fan realized what the average player was like in real life, they wouldn't be the fans that they are. Like, I think like people have no idea it. about like the amount of like. Uh, you know, fucked up like psyche that goes into the average player's persona, like whether it be from like their lack of fidelity to their anger to their sort of lack of discipline. Like it's, and again, there are plenty of really great guys. I mean, for sure. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a big community, but like, but there are like the average player. There's so many, like, like it just, it would be so hard for people to root for them if they really knew them as a person and not like as this mythological hero they see on the field doing amazing things, you know? Totally, I believe it. I mean, that's that's sort of like what professional sports is. Professional sports is all about like projecting yourself. Yeah, I mean, a lot of like American politics is like this too. It's a spectator sport where the spectators want to like project like the best parts of themselves onto the players on the field and feel like they're experiencing all the glory that the players are experiencing for themselves, you know, or making like the right decisions, you know, uh, on the field to like ensure victory. Um, yeah, that's one of the, that's one of the more powerful things, but yeah, you're right. If you're like, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I can only imagine, um, you know, if they were interacting with these people on like a personal level, they would probably have a much different experience. Well, and even like, uh, and even not even so much like, stuff that like be overtly negatively received by everybody, but like kind of tying in with your, like with your, with Omar, like, like there are a decent number of players that are like, you know, gay men, which is totally fine, obviously, but because of that specific part of the culture, like they're still, like there's been to this day, there's been no out active NFL player, which is absurd, right? Statistically, that's absurd. And, you know, again, if you like, there are, there are, players that are well known to be gay and they go as far as to because of their fear of retribution as sort of the the, the hero worship like they they go so far as to have wives to have you know it's true beards like to have famous girlfriends yep. like yep. but 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 everyone that knows them knows them to absolutely be like and not bisexual but just just completely gay but like but it's just they're like they're so worried about the cultural moray of that in the backdrop of American football that they, they have to live a lie. And it's like crazy. I mean, in 2017 that that still exists, like there's a, you know, I don't know. know. Yeah. But yeah, no, I believe, I mean, I mean, uh, that was, that was actually going to be one of the primary like plot lines of the graphic novel that I would do about football would be like, there would be two players on the team that have like a gay relationship, but they, they have to like keep it, you know, completely covered up. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and just sort of like the stakes that are involved because I mean, like, like these guys, you know, their, their businesses unto themselves, you know, um, a lot of, the, you know, a lot of people depend on them for their income. Um, 
you know, so you can understand like, like there's just like a lot of like unseen, um, pressures and, uh, financial sort of, uh, you know, stakes involved, uh, with those kind of decisions. But I do, I, you know, I think that, yeah, I mean, 2017, you would think that we've progressed a little further, but I think it's, I think it's happening like step by step. And, uh, eventually there will probably be like out players and it won't be such a big deal, but I do not think that it will, it will happen. Yeah. Anytime soon, unfortunately, just like the, the culture and the climate of the sport is just so, uh, conservative in many ways. Yep. And as you could probably hear, if, if there's ever a time that you want to get Vince and David to shut up, you could just start talking about football. It's true. I mean, it's why in the world would we intrude on, on that? Kind of, what would we be able to bring? I mean, he's talking about I, Ben's mentioning, you know, wanting to do something with writing football. And I'm thinking, well, why don't you just get some of the folks that did, you know, rub the blood and do your own little like NFL super pro tribute issue and but it's oh. like it's man i <laughs> i i i you know go ahead. i have a story about nfl super pro actually um <laughs> is uh when when marvel approached me about doing my um story for strange tales right. uh they ended up i wanted initially to do nfl super pro for my right. like i wanted to do an nfl super pro um story where he goes to Afghanistan and kills Osama bin Laden using illegal sports, illegal football tackles and moves. And um, they were like, that sounds really great, but we, we don't own that license anymore for that, that character. So they were like, how about, how about you do US agent? And I was like, that's actually, that was actually my backup. Uh, nice. Anyway, so... Uh, so I did that. I did a USA agent story, which yeah. was a lot of fun. That was, that, that was a fun little mini. I I, I enjoyed Strange. I love Strange Tales. Yeah, yeah, I really thought that was a well well done little little. Yeah, little I wish that they would do more of that sort of I stuff. Agree, yeah, you know, it just seems like the results are really interesting. But I guess you know it doesn't really sell that well. Maybe. Yeah, I, no, I, I I know that. Um, I don't want to say Vince has asked this question in the past and, and, and has kind of been burned based on, on some re- responses, but I will since Jason, Vince got to talk to you about our Jason got to talk to you about football. So I'll, I'll come at you with the whole tools of the trade question. And, and yeah, I, I, I am of the three of us. I, I, I seem to be the one who, um, Rallies behind anchors a lot more than anybody else you these think? days. Oh, so. I'm with of you. the entire industry, <laughs> you are you are the last true champion of the anchor, my friend. So, so oh, I I love anchors, man. That's all. I, that's that's the only. That's, that's, the, that's all I pay attention to now. Anchors. I think the three of us are going to end the fighting for your affection by the time this episode's over. Uh, <laughs> so okay, so so what what I'm going to um, win though if it comes down to dowries. Ain't going to happen. <laughs> that's the range. Um. So okay, so so what do you what 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 are your tools? So anything that you get your hands on, or are they or, or do you no, have your go? It's I'm 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 like obsessed with the tools that I use, and it it it, it it's um, I, but I go through like phases, you know, like so like for like four chapters of 
night business um, that I was just inking. I wasn't penciling anything at all, and I was just drawing the whole thing with ballpoint pen. And I had found this great ballpoint pen uh, called the Jetstream, I think by Uniball. And that was, like, really fun to draw with because it felt like I was, you know, back in high school, like, doodling. Um, but then I found an even better gel pen, the Uniball. Um, damn, I'm going to forget. Uh 207. It's the 207 Uniball gel pen that you can get at Staples. I'm kind of, I kind of like, uh, tools that you can find at like a Staples or something like that because it's like, it's just, it just, it it takes, it, it, it makes it like, um, like, like not precious when you're working on something. It's not like, it's not like very formal or official. It just kind of feels like, fresh and spontaneous and that's why I, I, I wouldn't have to like pencil anything with that stuff because it was just like I could just you know just feel very confident drawing with a ballpoint pen um, but then I don't know what happened but like every time I talk to uh, Michel Fife about like comics and stuff he always gets me into stuff that I never thought I'd be into nice that's our man too um, shout out to him yeah like like uh like he'll get me into like um, like Steve Mitchell as an inker. Oh, oh my god! You know, you're really trying and, to butter up the app at this point. Then I'll, I'll have to get like every every Steve Mitchell comic, um, inked comic. But now, like, so now I'm really into like traditional stuff, and so I I I don't like the Hunt 102 Crow Quill pen because I hate the handle that you need to use with it. Mm-hmm. But I've been using some of that, and then. I, I've been using. I really like the cork tipped uh, nib holders, so I've been using like larger nibs with that. So like the Hunt uh, 101s, I think, and then there's a couple of uh, Galat pen nibs that I like, and then there's like the Hunt 56 nib that I've been working with and liking, and then I've also gotten back into brushes and so back into like the Windsor Newton Series Seven world. And I've been, you know, inking a lot with that because I don't know. I can I can move really fast with uh, with a brush. You know, it's just the ink just like flies onto the page, mm-hmm. and that is good for me because I, I I really like to just work as fast as possible. So I've been looking a lot at Mark Texiera's inking because it's just so like fast and free. And, and uh, same thing with like Klaus Janssen's stuff or Janssen. Um, I've been looking a lot at his, you know, 80s work. Um, just, it's just, it looks like he's just, it's just taking him no time to do pages. And I just love the, like comic pages now that look like they're not labored over, that they're just hammered out and, and, and just like so spontaneous. Um, I just love those, the, the kind of marks that he makes. So I was researching the nibs that he uses and in the DC guide to inking, he says he uses a Hunt 100, I think, which is sort of like the Hunt 102, but way more flexible. And I tried using it, and you have to have a really delicate touch to use it because if you press too hard, it just, like, dumps all the ink out of the well and onto the Ooh. page. It's just really – but it's really nice when you get it going. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, he's he's certainly a master because he's using this, this very sensitive nib um, – 
But yeah, and then I've been using rapidographs recently. I've gone way back into like the very, very traditional stuff that I never thought I'd ever touch again. I'm, I'm like totally back in that zone. It's really weird. The only I, thing go, I, I can go on and on about this stuff because I love like tools and, and inkers tools. And I just like constantly am like trying to figure out like what tools Tom Palmer is using. You know, uh, nice. Like that's my man. Oh. <laughs> and then it hurt my heart now that we know you're not going to be at Heroes. Um, yeah, I know. I thought it was a lock. I seriously, sure. big time. Because we finally get, we're finally getting Vince to come for the first time. Yeah. I, I, I really like that show a lot. It's a really great show. I, I couldn't make the last couple of years because I was teaching in the summer in New York. And so I couldn't, like, get out. I think I got away one time. I'm not sure. And then uh, just last year I was just traveling way too much. And I stopped... Uh, the teaching gig. Uh, now I'm in Toronto, so um, uh, just traveling way too much. Last year, I'm just going to take a break and just I like finish like, um, a bunch of projects. The last time we saw you at Heroes a few years back, you were just getting ready to move to Toronto, right? Is that right? Yeah, that might have been the case. Yeah, yeah that was probably the case. Mm-hmm. I think it's very refreshing that you're willing to go deep into the tools because the thing that oh man that David yeah, that's like kryptonite when we bring it up uh, on. On interviews, usually. Yeah, um, I don't know why. I mean, I mean, what, what's the? Re- is it? Is it? Is it because guys don't want to like share? I don't. I don't, I don't know why. It's, it's, it's mainly. Or, I mean, if I inside I mean, baseball, they, they just yeah. Didn't I feel like a lot of really guys good. feel like you're obscuring like like the tools are the tools, and so guys think like I who like they feel like why does anyone really give a shit like how I create the art that I create? Like it's about the art, not like how I create it. Right. Like but the, the, yeah. the interview that I don't know. David was alluding to was, we were talking to Jason Latour. Oh yeah. 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 And yeah. I, I think he's, I wasn't going to name names. No, he has a spectacular line. I, I, I love the marks that that man makes. Sure. And so I said, yeah, well, he's real good. I said, how do you do him? He's like, oh man. Like he was actually offended not, not quite uh, almost yeah, offended almost, okay yeah yeah, and, yeah so ben what's your hot button because we are experts at asking someone the hot button question yeah, sure. they're just like yeah so i'm like, done i'm out we might guys. we were having a great like two hour <laughs> chat with jason and then vince asked him his tools he's like i'm out and then we um <laughs> we, we were doing an interview with uh with uh brandon graham was it brandon? It was oh yes yes, yes yeah. it was yeah. Builders. i fucked yeah. again vince, who's a big we're all big fans of brandon but vince probably leads the pack and he brought up how brandon's created world building and Brandon literally like stopped the interview, and he's just like, "Oh my god!" He's like, "I was just talking to my boys last week about this idea of world, of world building and how much I hate that like cliched idea." Yeah. We were like, "All righty then." We're like, no. great, dude. <laughs> like, cool respect. Wow. It's basically if there's shit on the sidewalk, I'm gonna step in it. <laughs> well, that's why Dap Dap took the jump, but it didn't it didn't backfire on us. This no, time. it did. And and I and and as soon as 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 we were finishing, and and Ben mentions rapidographs, the I. For whatever reason, in in high school, when I, I I was like, oh shit, I'm going to be, I'm, a, I'm a, when I graduate, I'm going to up to be an anchor, and I I could not do shit with brushes. I just I could not do anything. And everybody's like, oh, you got to be able to do. And I I tried to do everything I could with rapidographs, and and I I had the I Xerox the the Marvel Comics tryout book, and and I I took those five pages, actually not not just the five that were designed for inkers, but I even took the pages that like were plotted because they were just the blue lines, and I tried for weeks and months to make something look good with just plain old rapidographs, the 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 Kawhi Norse, and it just I was like this. 
I, I guess it's, it's just a meant to be. And no, I've tried, no, no, no. It, there, it, there's no variance in the line with a rapidograph. Exactly. And, and for, but yeah. I not do anything. Although lately now, thanks to, um, thanks to jet pens and, and some of my other artist friends, I, I have tried some of the, uh, the, the Japanese brush pens and, and Vince yeah. told me about the, uh, why am I blanking on the name right now? Kuratake. Thank you. Um, so I have, uh, I, I have one of those. So I am, I'm, I'm getting back into practicing with it again, just because I know that, yes, there, there's, you have to, it, you, I might have five different sizes on, on, on the tips with the rapidographs, but I'm still not going to get any of that, uh, and any, cause I'll, I'll look at Akin and Garvey or I'll look at Andy Parks or I'll look at Mark Farmer and I'm like, I can't, I, I how do you get, you know, you look at the shoulder, you look at the muscle tone and I'm like, I can't get that. Yeah. That variation, and so I just I know that I need to to learn, but I just I figured I was going to get better doing doing what I had available to me instead of actually learning how to use the different tools. You want to hear something weird? Yeah, I've of had I've had great yeah. success with with my students singing the line, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" Now, just listen, listen. <laughs> if if in your head or audibly, I, I didn't really care. If you sing the line where light side, it's a higher note because uh, it's, it's a thinner line. And then as you get to the dark side, uh, the line gets a little deeper and thicker. In your head as you're inking, if you sing that line, you will always get the thicks and the thins where they belong in the drawing. I love that so much. I can't it's believe you've never told huh? that before. That's, I, I, I've used it all the time. I gotta because, pay for your class to do that? No, no. My students were like, I don't understand. Like, where's the, like, you picture the light source, wherever it uh-huh. is, and the, uh, naturally the underside of the, the light source is gonna be thicker. So you, as you're, as you're drawing the line, just sing it in your head. Uh, like, uh, it sounds stupid, right? But on paper, it works. Yeah. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. So, a friend of mine, a friend of mine who inks with a brush sometimes would like whistle while he would like make mm-hmm. like a smooth curve. And he was doing it, he was inking in my kitchen one time and I was like watching like Firefly episodes or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, and he started whistling while he was doing it. And I was just like, dude, you gotta, you gotta stop that right now. Because it was like annoying, annoying me to like, I gotta watch end. my show. I was like, yeah, I was like, dude, you seven dwarfs and shit, whistling while you work. Yeah, it was it was really annoying, but I could totally see and understand how making that sound while you're like do executing like a uh, a like sweeping sort of brush stroke um, is like helpful. Right, it makes you cognizant that the thickness of the line is going to change. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So Ben, are you like are the things that you've written about based in in things that you are passionate about too? Like for example, are you are you um, as many of us from that similar age are like? I mean, I'm a massive hip hop fan. Are, are were you a were you a, a hip hop fan growing up, and that's like part of why you did gangster rap posse, or are you not like? Are you like? Is it nothing to do with it? I was, um, I was, but I wasn't like like some of my friends were like really deep into hip hop. Um, and for me, it was like, you know, I, I loved MTV, uh, so I loved like, I loved like, like, like hip hop that was coming on. But like, gangster rap was like, 
was like this thing that was really like scary to me, but also awesome at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I was, I mean, I loved NWA and, and, but, um, you know, I like, I didn't, I, I couldn't like, you know, I couldn't like rap the songs, you know, rap along with like the songs or anything like that. I wasn't like, I didn't, music has always been like this kind of weird thing in my life because I love music, but I'm not like, I, I wish that I had a deeper connection to it and like some of my friends uh do and some of them that play music do um like i just don't have that kind of experience uh but then i was watching you know but i loved nwa and as i got older like it started to like make more sense to me and i understood what they were trying to do and um you know i really loved cb4 the chris rock movie that was the best um and then i also uh saw the like I was at SPX with some friends of mine and, uh, we were watching, um, this like extra length VH1 behind the music episode about NWA and we were watching it and I was like, man, this is, these stories are amazing. Like I would, I would really love to create like a comic about NWA and then it became, you know, like, like like a, like a love letter to NWA, but written from my, as most of my comics are written from like a kind of like adolescent kind of mindset about it. You know, some of your other stuff, uh, definitely has a, like a fantasy bent to it. So like yeah. given your age, are, 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 were you a big D and D fan? Like, did you play D and D a lot? Again? Yeah. Like I loved D and D when I was, when I was growing up, I really wanted to play D and D all the time, but I didn't know anybody that knew how to play. Oh man, that's how I was. People assume because yeah. I was a, a nerd and like a like a geeky kid and a comic kid that I was a huge D and D nerd, and I've never to this day I've never played a game of D and D. Dude, that's a shame. Yeah, um, that is a shame. That, it is. You really should like correct that. I've I've I've, <laughs> I've made an active like uh, like uh, I've, I've been very diligent about fixing that uh, for myself. Like mm-hmm. I like my mom was. Um, was very much a part of like the satanic panic. Uh, really, eighties, yeah. So she thought that like if I was going to play D anD D with my friends, we were going to go into the woods and like kill each other in like a satanic like like death ritual. And um, <laughs> and she wasn't uh, wrong. I mean, right? No. Well, she still to this day is very weary <laughs> about D anD D, which is really strange in a lot of ways. But. Um, yeah, so I didn't get a chance to play much when I was a kid growing up, but um, but since then, you know, D and D has kind of come back in many ways, and and I've and I've just sort of strong armed a bunch of my friends in New York to playing, and and I just I was like, the only way I'm going to get a chance to play this stuff is if I read it all and learn it, and then DM like the sessions. So I would I would run sessions, and then I found some other people to play fourth edition with so i played that for a number of years and then moving to toronto i do a weekly game with uh michael deforge and jillian tamaki oh and, my god uh, <laughs> and and michael como and a bunch of other like patrick kyle sometimes shows up um and a bunch of like other cartoonists so uh and we've been doing that like every week pretty much for more over a year now and uh yeah and then i run a secondary game a planescape 
second edition game every other Wednesday night. So yeah, it's become like a really big part of my life. Um, I really actively tried to make it so because I felt like I missed out on a lot of it in my, in my youth. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's really good for like, it's kind of like, you know, uh, creative mental yoga in a lot of ways because you're doing like a lot of, um, you know, on the spot creative choices that, uh, you know, you don't, you wouldn't have arrived at on your own without like D&D as a structure or other people's mm-hmm. imaginations being in the mix. So yeah, it can be a lot of fun. Do you think you could ever get Josh to play? I, I would pay yeah. good, good money to see him play D&D. So yeah. I, you must, you're you speaking as though you know he doesn't play. Well, I like don't, you, I don't think he does. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He, I don't think he does either. He may, he might, but I don't know. He's too busy working. That guy, he's always on the yeah, grind. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, I mean, and he teaches too, probably. so. I was going to say, a lot of us are busy, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. Jason, I mean. Jason's always got to frame it to make me look bad. Hey, we're all yeah. busy, dude. Right? <laughs> Mara's making the time. Why can't you, you know? That's what I'm saying. Exactly. But, you know, I, I remember when playing D&D would relegate you to the uh, the ostracized group. And, oh, yeah. and, and that was, I mean, in the 70s, that's what I was in because we played. And uh, then there was a, a, a time where D&D became cool and like, what the hell's going on? You you would yeah. see people that wouldn't, wouldn't touch the game, you know, with, for any amount of money, willingly sitting down to, to play. And it's like, oh, but my God. But that's the story of our lives, though, yeah, right? Yeah, something's like, happening. I mean, like. Like I, Ben, I actually don't. I don't know how old you are, but you know we're all in our forties and I guess Vince is in his early fifties. But like we're all sort of students of the same kind of time frame, and I mean that's really the life we've lived, right? I mean, I, I I vividly, and again, this is not a unique story. I think this is the case of many. Like I grew up with a diehard comic fan with a pull list from like the time I was ten, but I was like an outcast in that regard. Like I, most of my friends didn't either know or care that I collected comics, and I didn't have like it was a it was an odd thing. It was a thing where. I can remember like being a teenager and, and frankly being kind of embarrassed by it at points. Like I didn't ever give it up because I loved it, but it was always like almost like a dark secret. Like, like, yeah. Oh, I hope this girl I like doesn't find out that I have long boxes in my room, you know, like, um, and now we're at a thing now where right. Like you see supermodels and billionaires, you know, walking down Manhattan streets with Captain America shirts and Wolverine tattoos, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's just become a, it's, it's, it's still to this day to be shocking at how, yeah. universally accepted is. I mean, I, I, I will often be at like a party, like in my, my town, you know, uh, with people that have never read a comic and like, they seek me out when they hear that I'm a comic guy. Like they're like, Oh my God, I heard you have a comic room. Like, tell me all about, like it's, they're actually genuinely interested in it. And it's to this day. I still, when someone first comes up to you and approaches you with that, I, I revert back to that, you know, 13 year old kid that used to try and like, it was a guilty thing that I would worry that like I was going to get like, like ridiculed for it. And then I realized like, Oh wait, no, actually they were legitimately interested. They're not luring me out to talk about this so that they can make fun of me. Like they actually think it's neat. And like, it's, I don't know. It's an, it's been an amazing time to be a geek in that regard. And that goes to G D and D and gaming. Like it just the whole thing, like, right. Like being a geek has gone from being like this anathema to being like, like cool in its own way, which is, just totally. I, I, it's awesome, but I still can't believe we live in that world. I, I don't, you know. Yeah. You know, while we're on the subject, I'm going to tie this into all-time comics because that's why Ben's here. I, I think 
the the uh, most refreshing thing of all time comics is that Josh and yourself and everyone involved, you're not approaching it from a, a the perspective of you know uh, satire or pastiche. You guys genuinely genuinely love superhero comics. Yeah, and and you it, there's a legitimacy to the stuff. That it's mm-hmm. not it's not like a you know nudge nudge wink wink aren't we cool like there's a certain section of indie comics that wouldn't touch superhero books and they're very vocal Absolutely. they're very vocal about the fact that you know superhero comics suck but but you guys it's it's all fair game and and you yeah. just you you embrace the medium and you're tr- just trying to tell the 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 most fun best stories that you possibly can and you can feel that on every page. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've always loved, I mean, I can't say I always loved superhero comics because when I first got into comics, I was a part of that black and white boom and it wasn't really superheroes that I was into. It was these like weird Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics. But then I got into X-Men around the time that Jim Lee, uh, launched his run. And I got into Wolverine in a big way and had, like, all the early, um, you know, ongoing series uh, issues. And, you know, then I started buying Avengers. And, you know, I I, I loved McFarlane and, and Liefeld. And, like, I, lo- I still love that stuff. Like, I, I still look at, um, you know, books that they did and others did from that era and still draw massive amounts of inspiration, uh, from that stuff. And I think I always will. Um, you know, there's just, there's just an enormous amount of content there to, to sift through and, uh, be inspired by. And I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I've always sort of loved, um, uh, superheroes, the genre of of superheroes. is just like, uh, I would love to draw like more superhero stuff. Um, I don't know if it's in the cards necessarily, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think. It, and Josh, Josh is an even bigger, you know, superhero fan. I think you know he really loves like Sal Buscema's, you know, entire oeuvre, and you know, uh, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's, it, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, what happened, why, why it was short circuited. Like, I know, you know, I think that, you know, the guys like Chester Brown, like those guys loved Steve Ditko and, and mm-hmm. loved like superhero stuff. And even Chester Brown inked some of those, uh, Alan Moore written, um, 19, was it 1964 series for image or something like that? 63, 63, yeah. the 63. Yeah. We just talked about that. A few I always get yeah. that date wrong. I really, I yeah. really hate that. Cause I love that series. <laughs> so much it's so good and and so like those guys i think that they i don't know um like i i don't it's it's tough for me to 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 be a comic book fan and not embrace that uh you know entire section of the comic book medium you know it's it's uh it's 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 tough. I don't I don't understand any other mentality, but yeah, like a lot of us guys who are kind of like operating in this weird zone between mainstream and independent comics, we all 
we love it all. Like it's all just sort of like a level playing field. Like I, I love, you know, I love Chester Brown's stuff and, but I also love, you know, Will Sportaccio's stuff. You know, it's like, it's all the same to me. I don't really put, um, like, uh, into some kind of like hierarchy. Uh, but yeah, it, like the all time comic stuff, it definitely comes from a place of, of like sincere, uh, you know, adoration of superheroes and just wanting to make, uh, comics in that vein because, you know, it's, 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 it's tough to say, but like, I don't like many superhero comics that I see these days. They don't really interest me from an art standpoint. Um, you know, I think to a writing standpoint, I think a lot of it's a fear of like the big, uh, event based, uh, stories, um, that, that kind of feels like a, like a, like a, uh, opaque kind of like way for me to, I, I can't get through that. Um, but there's, there's tons of stuff, you know, that's like, from 1995 down, you know, through the years, through like the 90s, 80s, and 70s, there's a whole ton of comic books that were made in that time that I can, um, you know, find and discover new things and explore. So, uh, uh, yeah, we just we just wanted to make um, stories that were that were more you know, free of, uh, continuity and, and fresh and more insane and similar to the kind of, um, uh, tone of, of, of seventies and eighties comics when things were, things were a little crazier. Right. That's so good to hear because, um, nothing's more of a wet blanket to me is, is when I encounter, you know, an artist that I like, whose work I find intriguing and they just shit all over superhero comics just for the fact that of what they are, not what they could be or what, yeah. they, what they have been. And it's, it's, it's a downer, you know, where yeah, I, you got to give them the side, the sideways. Come on, son. You know what I mean? You loved yeah. it as much as we did, but they well, got it. They got I, it. I, there was, there was a time when I was growing up where I was super critical of a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. super critical. Like I was really, I remember like looking at, like Bernie Wrightson's, you know, uh, Batman the Cult series, uh, miniseries, and being like really disappointed with the artwork. Cause I knew what like Wrightson was able to do, cause I'd seen his like Frankenstein, uh, you know, series, and, and just being like kind of let down by it. But, but now when I look at it, it's like, it's like really, really beautiful work to me. <laughs> and, and, you know, cause I've come to like appreciate, uh, sort of, Creating art under those under those restrictions, uh, you know, you're, you're 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 just trying to like get these pages done. But um, uh, I don't know, you know, yeah. I, know, I the the point is like I used to be really really critical of stuff, and I think that maybe, but then I grew, outgrew it because I started actually making comics and seeing how hard it was, mm-hmm. and being like, wow, I appreciate all these guys who are like workhorses who are able to just get it done. And, um, you know, I just had like a new appreciation for stuff and just started taking myself way less seriously. And, and, and now I just like a lot of, I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff I, I still don't prefer, but like, um, but I opened up like, uh, my mind to accepting a lot of other 
other things that I might have uh, put down, like in general. Um, but I, yeah, I think that some people just sort of like hang on to those things without actually diving into um, uh, like like stuff that that maybe they would they would not take seriously at all. Right. Uh, and that, to I think that's so critical, right? Like, because to your point, I mean, I think like uh, I used to always I used to have a hard on for like the te- the comics journal because I felt like. Like they could be such a power for positivity, but I felt like there was always this like underlying hate for anything that had like any commercial appeal. And I always, yeah. I, I always hated the idea that commerciality should in any way be correlated to enjoyment. Like meaning totally. that like, sure, sure. Like something doesn't have to be a commercial hit at all for it to be awesome. We, we live that life every day, but, but also I don't think because something is commercial, it should be like vilified. Like it can be awesome even though it makes a ton of money too. And, uh, so yeah, it's great to hear you say that. Cause we, we've definitely like, I think, um, and I feel like there's a, like, I feel like that we have kind of gone back in the right direction in that regard. I feel like when we started the show, like there was definitely this big divide between like, you know, uh, big two or commercial like image creators and then like everybody else. And I, I kind of feel like that's kind of, that's, I feel like it's, 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 it's become much more balanced these days. And maybe it's because I just avoid all of that sort of like haterade actively now, but, but I don't know. It just, it does yeah. seem like there's less of that now. Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, just from my vantage point, it seems that way. It seems like, you know, uh, you know, I talked to DeForge and we can talk about like, you know, X Factor and, you know, just <laughs> weird X-Men comics. Cause he grew up with like the Joe Matarera, uh, X-Men. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Era. And, and he, um, you know, so he, he, but, but, you know, he, he probably isn't, you couldn't find like a bigger sort of young indie uh, cartoonist, and he's mm-hmm. like totally into like you know Star Trek Next Generation. Sure, um, you know he's, he 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 loves like all that all X Men stuff. So like I think that you know if he's like an example of um, you know this this guy who's, who's kind of holding carrying a, a torch uh, that that it is it is more. Uh, universal, like uh, seeing comics yeah. more as like a, a universal thing rather than these segmented uh, silos, you know. You, you know what? I I actually, I, I perhaps I'm overvaluing this, but I attribute one of the reasons that this bridge has been gapped in the last bunch of years is because of uh, the extreme, the Liefeld Extreme reboot with guys like Brandon and Simon and stuff doing, like doing those comics and like doing a great job with them. Like I feel like, That's, I remember a lot of people yeah. time being like, wait, wait, who's doing what? Like, <laughs> these indie badasses are doing live old nineties remakes and like, you know, yeah. and then all those guys are like, listen, we were fans of that stuff. And like, and they did their own versions and they were unique. And, and, you know, Rob was like, as he always is madly enthusiastic about it, even though it was like completely different than anything he ever did with the characters. Yeah. And, you know, you had yeah. glory and you had like all these really interesting, like pretty much indie books that had indie art and, and indie aesthetic and very different stories than the, the, the root stuff. But yet like, we're still in their own way, true to the, to that nineties extreme vibe. And like, I, I feel like that, that, that's like do a little healing. It was like a little detente. Everyone kind of was like, all right, we can all appreciate each other's stuff. Like we don't have to be so serious about it. it all yeah, it's, it's yeah. True. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. like, the guys like, like guys like Jim rug, like, like Jim is like, you know, I mean, Jim's as indie a guy as it gets in the terms of like, you know, how he makes his living, the kind of art he makes. And, you know, he, he's gone out of his way and frankly avoided a lot of opportunities to do like quote unquote commercial comics. But, at the same point in time, I mean, if you know Jim or you talk to him or you've ever 
you know, looked at like his personal, like, like, you know, uh, binders of his sketches, like he is an unabashed, unequivocal, unapologetic nineties image fan. Like that is his, that's the roots of his artistic, like passions for comics are nineties image comics. Right. So like, totally. you know, you know what I mean? Like, and it's just, that's the kind of thing I think that's great is like, it's just, you know, that we don't have to have this like dividing, this false dividing line. And, you know, I think one of the reasons our show knock on wood is, has been, you know, popular over the years is because, you know, we show up every week and nobody knows what we're going to talk about, right? Like we have, we'll do an interview with you and then next week we'll talk about, you know, a DC event. Like it's just whatever, whatever's like, like we don't have any agenda, you know, and I think that that has sure. served us well because sure, some guys listen to our show and want to hear us review, you know, the Marvel books and we don't talk about it for two weeks and they get frustrated. But then there's another crew that like are like, holy shit, you just, you know, did a, you just sat down and chatted with, with, with Ben Mara. So, you know what I mean? Like it just, it's a nice balance. And I, I think that that's, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, so. And I so think the diversity. Yeah, yeah there's like a lot of different stuff happening. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it's it's one of the reasons why the comics journal may not be published anymore is because they did put that line in the sand. And on one hand, I cherish those issues because I think what Gary and, and Tim did or, or Kim, it's a very important look at comics. Sure. From yeah. from that time, like they they just they covered. All of the, the, the big beats and the major releases. Yeah. And, but on the other hand, they shit on anything that was published by the well, big No, and that two. was the thing. Like, I always felt like, like they, they're, they're, I mean, I, and again, coming from where I came from, as you guys know, even when we started the show, I mean, I spent most of my comic life, even though I was a diehard, reading superhero comics. And then I kind of had like the second life where I discovered everything else about comics and was so happy for it. But, I, I, the TCJ, I've, I've read so many interesting and fascinating pieces, you know, whether it be editorials or reviews on TCJ over the years, yet, and then every now and then, though, they'd kind of, like, slap you in the face and remind you that, like, you were stupid if you, like, super right, right. right. And then I'd be like, oh, man, I'm like, now I can't, just, now I don't want to read you. But their, their principles, I, I just, their principles were very flexible. Yes. Because I, if, well, if Frank Miller came knocking on their door or was available at, at the time, they would do an interview with Frank Miller. Absolutely. Give right? him the cover. Yeah. And, and it, it, you know, at that time, Frank was Frank was Batman. So to, to put probably the biggest mainstream writer-artist on the cover, right? you know, that that's like, okay, can we really take you seriously now? But – then the next issue, they'd have this massive investigation in, into Fort Thunder. So they, it would balance out. The the What I enjoyed about Fantagraphics in the 80s was that I could get my mainstream fix with Amazing Heroes and right. get, get the indie snobbery stuff with, with the Comics Journal. But it's the, the – I felt that they – at the time, I wasn't really so – keyed in on it but looking back on it now i'll read an issue where here's an interview with john byrne about where he's taking fantastic four and alpha flight but then in that same month the comics journal will have a transcript from a panel at a convention where byrne talks shit about old marvel artists and 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 how you know what it's like in the bullpen and why he'd never worked for dc and it's like so same dude but just one is promoting his work so people will buy it and the other is like, well, is this, is this the real dude? So you yeah. get, you, you get the, I, I appreciated the comics journal because it, it, it kind of gave you a more real life look in, into creators and, and 
more behind the scenes stuff. I enjoyed Amazing Heroes because I got to read what they were telling me about things that I'd be excited for in the coming months and, and I could look forward to it and, and everybody was kind of like-minded. It was, it was like the internet in paper form, but comics journal is that that's where you, it, it, it felt, I don't want to say mature, but just a little bit more grown up because it, it, it was more, I guess, real in air quotes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I have to admit that I drank the comics journal Kool-Aid. There, there was a time where I was so infatuated with that, uh, magazine that I didn't buy superhero comics because I was, super, Gary said so. you know, because Gary, right. Cause Gary said so superheroes bad, but then, you know, you get to, <laughs> you get to a point in your life when you're like, this is just too much work. I, 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 I love superhero comics. They're not bad. Yeah. If, if, if art can connect with someone, there has to be some goodness in it, you know? So to take that hard line, that may be one of the reasons why they're not published anymore. I don't know. The website's still up, but we haven't seen. Yeah, I think it was mostly just like a financial thing with like right putting out you know the printing costs for something versus like you know managing a website. Yeah, and Dan from what, from what, I, from what I understand, Dan Nadell's involved with that to bring it all back to yeah, the picture box. So yeah, Ian Ian Tim Hobler who. Also ran a really great comics blog with Frank Santoro called Comics Comics. Yep. In the uh, mid mid two thousands, I guess, um, which was really fantastic. That based on that sort of work, they were hired on to sort of run the Comics Journal online iteration, which which became its like main uh, force. So what else can we talk about here? We have a lot of time left. <laughs> <laughs> so our, what, what uh, what's next, Ben? So uh, what's next? I'm working on um, the Bullwhip just came out, right? You've got another uh, you've got Bull another issue out. in a couple July, right? Is the next uh, is the next issue with Bear, right? I, I don't know um, what their schedule is, but uh, I think yeah, it's still live, I, I Paul. Yeah. Yeah, I did an issue with Atlas of Atlas, um, which is sort of like the quintessential uh, Kate superhero um, ver- um, version in all-time comics. Um, so yeah, so that's coming out uh, right now. I'm I'm working on the final chapter of Night Business. I'm in the middle nice. of lettering it, and will be done by the end of April, hopefully, and. Then I uh, am about to start work on a book um, that Joe Casey wrote uh, for Image, and that will uh, take up probably the month of May and maybe a little bit of June. And then I'm going to start working on my next book for uh, 2018 for Fantagraphics, hopefully, um, if they if they give me the green light to. And why wouldn't they? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so, so wait a minute. The um, the, uh, the Joe yeah. Casey thing is going to be published by Image. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're going to do our like uh, homage to Doug Mention, Paul Gulacy's Master of Kung Fu, um, <laughs> with a. It's sort of like a um, an ancient times um, version. Well. You guys will just have to wait and see. 
It's um, it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Joe's Joe's having a blast. We're working in a way that uh, Mike Barron uh, used to work, where or he might still work this way, where he actually draws out um, just with stick figures. He'll draw out like the comic page layout and like I'll do all like the word balloons and everything like that. Um, just very very abstract um, storytelling. And then I Dope. take that and then draw, uh, do my thing based on those directions. So it should be a lot of fun. I really like working that way. It's, it's, um, it's cool to see the way like Joe's, Joe's mind works. And, you know, I, I'm a really big Mike Barron fan. Um, so, uh, it'll be, it's just, it's just cool to be working that way. That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm stoked. Hey, more Mar in the future can't be a bad thing. So. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, hopefully. I don't know. The cosmic uh, forces are not aligned, though. We finally get Vince to go to Heroes, and then Ben doesn't go. <laughs> they can't be seen in the same place together. Yeah, That's true. I'm really sorry about that. He he didn't uh, mention yeah. it. But he has a restraining order out against. Him. Ah. Well, Vince. So let me ask you. So Vince, I think if I, if I if I remember correctly, Ben had the choice between uh, Mazzucchelli and Panther for his thesis advisor, and he chose Mazzucchelli. Which would you have chosen? <laughs> Bad choice, dude. I'd go with Gary all the way. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, that was often, a good I think about, I think about like what, what I would have made if Gary had been my thesis advisor. What, what, what would have changed? You know, um, because I don't know. Yeah, I, I just wanted to work with somebody who really loved Jack Kirby and my my thesis class professor, David Sandlin was like you gotta you gotta ask gary to be your thesis advisor and i was like i really loved year one but you know i love those i love the jimbo comics like the zongo yes jimbo comics yeah those are like some of the most perfect comic comic books i've ever seen and so you know it's like these two very different approaches right you know, to making comics and uh yeah and and but matthew kelly was also teaching this comic book workshop class and the condition of him being my advisor was uh, that I would take the comic book workshop class and in conjunction with like doing my thesis and that class was like um, an enormous had an enormous sort of effect on me uh, it, was, it was just it's just a he, he just designed a, a like really fantastic comic book uh you know like a, a way to make comic books um a way to learn how to make comic books and dash shaw was in my class too so <laughs> that was really so I, that's where i met dash and so dash and i have oh been friends ever since, and that's been great um so it, like i don't know what would have been different but i don't know if those a lot of those things i i i, I took a lot of uh, information. There's a lot and, of creativity you know, in one classroom. Yeah. yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it was a really good class. Well, in your defense, Gary Panther or Mazzucchelli, like, that's a that's a tough choice. Yeah, I don't know that there's it a is. wrong answer there. No, actually. no, there's not. There's not. There, isn't, there isn't. I wish we got more Mazzucchelli work, unfortunately. Like, yes. Sarah's follow-up was so badass and it was great, and but I mean... You know, and I and I maybe were greedy because, it, but I it's it's been a while now, right? It's been what four or five years since that came out. So it's been a while. Yeah, it's been it's been a while. Uh, it's been more. Yeah, I don't know. I, I hear he's working on something. You know, I, I I agree with you. I don't I don't think that 
I wish that he would put out more stuff. I think that he's he's very meticulous in his thought process, and uh, you know he's, he's he's a true craftsman. And I don't think that there might there might not be. Oh my god, it was two thousand and nine, dude. Yeah. Holy really? shit! Right, it was yeah, eight years ago. Oh my god. Yeah. Time flies. Yeah. I feel like I feel like it was much more recent than that. Wow. No, it's crazy. Kind of crazy. He worked uh, on that for like ten years too. Before yeah, it yeah. Was ever released. So, but there, I don't think that there's like a. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a little biased because I, I I've worked with him, but he the way that he understands the language of comic books is unlike anybody else that I've ever known, and he's just a true. He like sees it on so many different, so many different levels. Um, that you know, just the way of, of, of storytelling. Uh, he, he's just a genius in that regard. And, um, but you know, for me, like I look back, I just bought that uh, artist edition of Born Again, and oh, that's uh, David's favorite comic. And that is just like he was approaching something toward the end of that run where I think he was going to like reshape superhero comics if he had stuck around. And I think that, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't disagree with him going off on a completely different path away from, uh, superhero comics. But I do think, I mean, I believe there are, there are careers of like, mainstream comic book artists these days that are echoes of the things of the groundwork that he was laying in the, in like year one and born again. And, uh, you know, I just, I just, I just think that there's probably some other dimension out there where he continued to stay in superhero comics and changed the entire landscape of like what superheroes could be seen as. I like that idea. I want to live in that world. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're still we're still feeling like reverberations from that body of work. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I had a really amazing uh, chance to meet uh, Marcos Martin, the Spanish oh yeah uh, mm-hmm. comic illustrator, and and he was he's he's friends with Javier Pulido, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I'll always remember like those guys like they look at Matthew Kelly's stuff and they're they're like that. They're like, you know, that to them is like the apex of like all comic book artwork. Um, you know, it's, a, it's, it's like great that he's influenced guys like that, uh, you know, to do exceptional work in, in the mainstream sphere. Um, but I, rem- I always remember this thing that Marcos told me that he overheard Javier Polito say, which was... Um, a uh, comic book panel is both a question and an answer. Uh, it's an answer to the question posed by the comic book panel uh, preceding it, and then it's a posing a question to be answered in the, in the next panel uh, after it. I don't know. I really love oh, that. That's good. Mm. Yeah, that's really yeah. good. <laughs> mm-hmm. But those guys are real deep into like uh, thinking about that stuff. It's really, it's really cool. That's dope. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I we have no illusions of ever getting Mazza Kelly to uh, come on the show because he's very reclusive. But uh, but yeah, we've been yeah. close to having Panther on. Like I've I've tried to get Panther on for Vince a few times, and oh, he's always very polite. You know, he's like, not right now, but check back in like six months. And so I check back, and then he's always like, not right now, check back in six months. So one he, of these times, he's gonna say yes. He still won't oh, friend man. me on Facebook. 
It's killing me. You won't friend you? No. Uh, oh, man, we DM all, all day long. Yeah, I'll tell him to do it. Yeah, you bunch of dicks. That's what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, those, those – I, I always go back to those pages he did for the um, Omega the Unknown series. Oh, they're gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are some of the best pages He's incredible. Um, yeah. Kirby's my all-time favorite, but there are days when, when you know, I, I have to go with Panther. Uh, yeah. I think he's the greatest living cartoonist. Yeah, I absolutely. Just, I just love his stuff. So free, yeah. so uninhibited. The guy's amazing. Yeah. I just yeah. don't know what he's thinking. Like, I don't know how he arrives at some of his choices that he's making. Um, when he's drawing, it's just crazy. Have you ever heard uh, his audio? He he does a lot of of um, he makes a lot of records, and yeah. uh, if you know if you listen to his audio, it kind of approximates his thinking yeah. process. It is all really? over the place. I I saw him play live um, at like there's a Brooklyn Comics and Graphics Fest mm-hmm. where his band played, and it was pretty out there. And with the light show, he he even finely tunes yep. his, his his lights, and it's just he's he's an incredible talent. Um, unfortunately, won't friend me on Facebook, but whatever. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's still the greatest. All right, uh, hey, uh, let's uh, bring this on home and remind everybody who sponsored this episode. There are two of them. The first one was Valiant. Remember. Pick up Exo Manowar number one at your uh, favorite comic shop or at our big time sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com will get you your comics, get them fast, and get them, most importantly, for a fraction of the cover price. Remember, from Dark Horse, Matt Wagner's Grendel Tales Omnibus, trade paperback yeah. volume one for a measly $12.49. From Boom, Planet of the Apes Archive, hardcover, volume one. Mike Plude. Oh, I love him. Love Plug. $24.99. And uh, Valiant is cooking up some secret weapons. Number one, $3.99 cover price. Your price, because you're really smart, $1.99. Are we doing the Inner Travels this week? Yep. Why would we not? Oh, okay. Well, I mean, is this ever <laughs> Right. I mean, just. First I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this up to our guest to pick what he wants to hear me talk about. Uh, ben, do you want to hear yeah. mice, insanity, or barbarians? Mice, insanity, or barbarians? Yes, barbarians. Oh, jeez! <laughs> All right, in your travels, I was lucky enough to get this book for a fraction of the cover price. It was on the remainder table. It is published. By Dark Horse. It's called The Savage Sword of Cull. Volume <laughs> Volume 1. Under the cover, who do we have? We have Wally Wood. Howard Chaikin. Heard of that guy. Heard yes. Of Barry Windsor Smith. Ross Andrew. Let's see who Next. else. Stop. <laughs> Mike Plug is in here. Rick Hoberg and Bill Ray. Sonny Trinidad. Vicente Alcazar, Walt Simonson, uh, who else? Sal Basima, Tony DeZuniga. But the reason why I'm talking about this book is because it further reinforces my belief that John Severin was among the all-time greatest of comic book illustrators. 
There are there are a number of stories in here where Shout Sever- Marie too. Well, Marie's in this book as well. Nice. In, in fact, there's one story where Marie and John illustrate it. Uh, okay. More than one, but Severin. Yes, he's regarded as as a great artist, but I don't think he's his name should be uttered in the same breath as Jack Kirby. I think Severin is. Are you going a little crazy? No, I'm not. I'm not going crazy. (laughs) He he's an incomparable illustrator. Everything just reeks of authenticity. Like I don't know what they dressed like in in the in the days before Atlantis sank, but I'm guessing based by what I see in these panels, that it looked exactly like John Severin drew it. Like, all of the the the, the, the costumery and the, the vehicles and the, the uh, architecture and the weapons, they just seem so right when, when, when um, Severin drew them. And his creatures, the guy's a, a, a maestro. It's just, it's just amazing. But, and David's going to giggle... When I say this, because he feels, I'm sure he feels the same way. I can be reading a John Severin story of a barbarian named Cull who ascended to the role of king. And, and, you know, you have these, these otherworldly creatures popping up and sword versus demon. And it's, it's all just so gritty and, and, and you can smell the, the sweat. And I'm looking. For Sylvester P. Smythe in every yep. single panel, every time, like I, I don't know what it is. It, he had such an impact on me with his cracked work that I look for that goofy little mascot mm-hmm. in, in everything that <laughs> everything that Severin does. But this is a massive. Um, it's like the Marvel uh, Essential line or the DC Showcase line. It's all printed in black and white on newsprint. Lots of pages. Um, Four hundred and fifty, at least. Cover price nineteen ninety nine, and it's not bad at all. And uh, this stuff reprints the cult stories from um, Savage Sword of Conan and uh, Marvel's Conan the Barbarian. So it's it's a worthy purchase. Did you know? If I asked you guys who came first, Conan or Cull, what would you say? Cull. How you know that for a fact? Did you Google? No, you wouldn't ask the question if it was Conan. All right. Yeah. Cull, Cull was the germ that, uh, was the seed that, that grew into the, 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 uh, robust, uh, let's call it a plant that was Conan. So, uh. Like, that's right up there with the existential question, like, which came first, Bloodroot or Al Rio? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so yeah, Savage uh, Savage Sword of Call Volume One. If if you love great art and just guys beating the shit out of each other with swords, it doesn't get better than this, really. True that. All right. Um, in your travels, um. Uh, there were a couple things that I read that uh, I either have to wait for Vince on or... Why that? Uh, the Superman Reborn stuff. Oh, yes. Or, or I'll um, wait for Jason so we can tag team on Motor Girl. Um, yeah, motorboat? Yeah, not really. Motorboat that. Girl. And uh, which, which Vince will just love to read after we're done talking about it. I'm going to say, <laughs> you know what? I read the... The uh, the second issue of American Gods and 
It's uh, out already? Huh? No kidding. It's out already? No, the Dark Horse review. Oh, gotcha. It'll, it'll be in my next DCBS box, but yeah, I read the, uh, the Dark Horse preview and it is, um, it, it, it's weird. It's when, when you read, so I read the novel when it came out years ago and, um, and obviously there's going to be the TV show, but, uh, this adaptation that, uh, Gaiman has written and, and, uh, P. Craig Russell and Scott Hampton have illustrated, uh, it really does, it, it leaves very little up. You don't have to read the novel kind of sort of it, it it leaves very little up to the imagination whatever you imagined when you read the novel is pretty much realized on these pages um it is a very faithful very um honest adaptation of the novel it looks absolutely amazing i'd still recommend reading the novel um which i am going to try to finish before um I sit down to 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 start to, to watch a show when that starts, but um, you read it a bunch it, of times already, though. I've I I read it straight through once, and I've I've read it. Um, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know if I have finished. I, I've tried, and not tried, but I have started it multiple times over the years, and I, I I'm I'm hard pressed to say that I actually finished it in these years because I know we were going to reread it during bullpen bulletins and so that was another failed attempt so there there have been times where i've i've picked it up again um and now this is yet another time because i found my paperback copy and there was a bookmark uh around page 320 or so so i know i i've gotten far into it again um but in any case whether you've read the novel or you haven't check out the dark horse adaptation it looks amazing it's it's a great um I, I still like the story a lot, so I'm, I'm definitely going to, to recommend you read this, but it is a, uh, it's, it's a, it's a solid telling of this story, so, um, if you haven't, give it a shot. Yeah, just nice. blame, blame it on me. Why, Why not? It's true. Uh, in your travels, um, head on over to Fantagraphics or Comixology or your local LCS and pick up American Blood. Which uh, I dare say is the definitive collected edition of Mr. Benjamin Mara's uh, works over the last few years. Such a kiss. Someone's man. sucking up for the show. Hey man, it is. Listen, it is what it is, dude. It wow. is what it is. Like, but, like I mean, talking. we're talking gangster at posse. We're talking Lincoln Washington Freeman. We're talking Naked Heroes. Uh, Blazing Lasers is in there. I bought um, the vinyl of that just to get his comic. Yes, and by the way personal favorite of the collection, the incredibly fantastic adventures of Maureen Dowd. Maureen Dowd, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, when when she's trying to bed Clooney and he's like, why is your pistol sticking? <laughs> I thought that was very funny. Um, but no, it's it's a great collection and, uh, uh, and a nice sort of glimpse into uh, the last uh, bunch of years of your work outside of uh, Terror Assault or so. And it's yeah. a bargain. It was like, it's like 13 bucks on Comixology, so there's no excuses to be Yeah. Yeah. A lot of uh, story in there for that dollar, for sure. So Ben, what uh, other than your own work, uh, what uh, what should our listeners uh, give a look see to? Who else are you vibing on? Uh, you know, you know my my 
obsession with inkers uh, continues. So I've been like really into uh, Klaus Janssen inking over guys like uh, Gene Colan or Gil Kane or uh, Sal Buscema. So I've been actually picking up a lot of stuff on comicsology and uh, just because I, I live in a kind of a smaller apartment now and I can't absorb the uh, space that um, comics take up hardly. Um, but I also actually like, I never thought I'd never thought I'd like reading comics off a of screen, but um, <laughs> I have an iPad now and, and it, it really seems to work. So, uh, but I've been bouncing around between like Howard the Duck and mm-hmm. Tomb of Dracula mm-hmm. and Old Daredevil. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been mostly '70s stuff, some '80s stuff. And today I was actually really digging uh, uh, some Brent Anderson work. Um, I had never really thought about his stuff, but now I'm starting to like get into some Astro City and uh, also looking at the uh, Thor run with um, John Buscema and Tom Palmer. I think Roger Stern wrote it. It's like the Ragnarok Mm -hmm. uh, issues um, based on that new Thor trailer that got me way back into Thor comics. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Brent Anderson, I think, is so well known for Astro City, but He's been around for a minute beyond that, though, you know? Oh, yeah. Long time. Yeah. Long time. Yeah. You can get, um, what's that X-Men graphic novel he did? God Loves Man Kills. Yep. God Loves Man Kills. You Strike can get Force Mortuary. Really yeah, yeah, man, Mortuary's yeah. my jam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm always looking yeah, for that artwork. The digital copies are really affordable. Yeah. What did you guys think of the Thor trailer? Did you watch it? I haven't seen it. Oh, really? Uh, I'm trying to avoid it. There, there's a big, big, big reveal in it, and I was like, "Why didn't you save that for the movie? Why, why you got to just <laughs> let that go?" You, ben knows what I'm talking about. Uh, David, did you, did you see it? Well, David loved it. Oh yeah, loved it. Yeah, I wish they would have kept that a secret but, until the movie. I don't. It, Do you have a female character? No, no. I think um, that that's been like an open sort of secret. Yeah, that that's been no. That they they weren't trying to hide that. That's not as that that's not as bad as uh, the doomsday reveal. I feel from from last year. I um yeah, yeah that was it dumb. wasn't it, it was not um yeah. I don't think I think if they if they didn't show it, people would have been more like. But I thought, and what about? So it was it was absolutely fine. And the way the way Marvel has been doing their teasers and their trailers. Um, even if, from just from personal experience, from after I finally see the movie, even when I see something in a trailer, I don't feel like they gave away too much. There's still more to see in the theater. It happened with Doctor Strange. It obviously happened with Guardians of the Galaxy. There, there are definitely things where I'll see in the trailer and you may say, yeah, you know what, maybe they could have kept that to themselves until, but there's still so much more to unpack. And this was, this was a tease, this was a two minute teaser for a movie that's over six months away. There's going to be another trailer, a full trailer or two, which I'm not going to watch. So there's, there's still more to show, but, um, I think there's going to be even more than just that. That may be the only snippet you see, Vince, until the actual, they may not show any more in the upcoming trailers, but, right. uh, you know, I just have one, if, if they combine, 
if if the character that we saw mm-hmm. su- surprise that's the guy I work with if that means that we don't get the story that that <laughs> is, yeah. then I'm going to be pissed because I think that that's an entire movie all in its own it it very well it I think it yes we don't have Beta Ray Bill no no that uh, <laughs> I I I don't disagree Vince but there are some and it's not like they 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 had to stray from script with with Civil War so obviously there are characters that that appear in that story that you'd love to see as a movie who can't show up uh, in the movie due to licensing with other studios. But uh, yeah, I think, I think they could, if, if I know I'm a, I'm, I'm kind of adamant when, when there, there are certain stories that don't need to be told. It's a great comic book. Doesn't need, doesn't mean it needs to be a movie or a cartoon or anything like that. But I think that particular story would look absolutely amazing yes. on the big screen. Yes, right. Absolutely. Okay. All right, everybody. Uh, Benjamin, thank you for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me. You can come back anytime you want. <laughs> Thanks. It, it would be uh, awesome to have you back. And yeah, well, yeah. Let me know. Uh, next week? <laughs> oh, we have somebody for next week. Oh yeah. well, hey, he can he can sit in. Uh, so, and we would like to thank you for listening to this. If you have enjoyed any of this, please do us a solid and leave us an iTunes review or a similar uh, review somewhere else that you got this. And uh, please come back next week because you know how David gets. If you're not here, we'll uh-huh. be we'll be waiting for you. And say good night. David. That's a quick one this week. Yes, it was quick. Good night. David. Basically a freebie for you. Yeah, it kind of was, right? I mean, I yeah. can barely catch my breath. Softball. Between. Softball. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Ben, thanks, thanks a lot, man. It was great to finally have you on. It's uh, something we've been, we've been yeah. wanting, wanting to do for a long time. So. Yeah, what if she says we won't we'll see in June? Next. I know, man. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, okay. and similarly, if you ever if you if you have something that's uh, looming in terms of uh, that you want to uh, give a shout out, make sure you just hit us up. So we'll be happy to. Uh, I mean, we'll probably mention it anyway, but just in case, we'll uh, we'll make sure to. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, we should um, totally discuss that down the road because um, yeah, there will be there will be more stuff coming out. Obviously, like uh, night business will drop at the end of the year. Nice, um, and you know stuff like that. I don't know how how. Uh, Often you guys like to cycle through guests. And stuff it like all that. depends on the guest, but you pass the test. That's, That's true. true yeah. Cool, man. <laughs> yeah, and if you want to do like that. a one-on-one That's thing with just me and you, you can email me. I'm up for that. Listen, sometimes yeah. foursomes are good. Sometimes it needs to be mono a mono. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. Me I'm and John. We mean, one thing we can't ever say about you, Vince, is you're always a gentle lover no matter how many other people are in the room. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for being here. Come back next week. Say goodnight. Good night, everybody. Peace out. Bye. Peace and love. Good night. We love you so much.
Just stay away from me and my boys.